Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So it is the month of January 2022, and uh, it only seems fitting that we open up this new year uh, with a review of the previous year. Uh, So all month long throughout January, we're going to be doing uh, catching up on 2021, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to kick things off, uh, I basically just kind of forced my hand here. Uh, I don't know if we have a a specific rotation as to who's picking episodes at this point. It's kind of up in the air, but... Uh, we were kind of pinched for time, so I just said, fuck it, let's open up HBO Max, see what they got. And uh, I picked uh, Lana Wachowski's The Matrix Resurrections, mm-hmm. uh, of course, from the year 2021. Uh, this is, of course, the uh, fourth film in the Matrix film franchise, the the meta franchise as it stands, uh, being as there are video games, online computer games. I'm sure there's a mobile game of some sort floating around out there, but um, I guess the first question... Uh, I mean, I picked the movie, so I know why I did this, but I'm curious, Kyle. Uh, what is your background with the Matrix franchise? Like, what does it mean to you, well, if anything? The Matrix, of course, uh, was like 1999. I'm 10 years old, and it, like, you and I remember the trailers vividly, of course. It was like the, it was redefining film, basically. So you couldn't avoid it, but I did. I completely avoided watching this when it came out. Um, I didn't watch this until after the second one came out, and I didn't even really watch it then. Uh, for some reason, I think this is when I was playing guitar, so I wasn't really watching movies too much. They were just kind of in the background while my brother would, you know, brother would watch the movie or my brother would play video games. Um, so yeah, I didn't really uh, get into these because uh, also I think I started with the second one. And I'm like, I have no idea what's happening in this. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. So I had to go back and watch the first one. I'm like, okay, okay. I kind of watched it, but yeah, I never, never really like completely sat down and watched all of these but until a couple of years ago. I did watch the first one, and I remember nothing. It just like went through me. Like I remember nothing about it um, except for like a few key scenes, which I probably saw in the trailers. Uh, so yeah, we played a video game. What do we look that up? Uh, yeah, I, I I was keen on like making sure we got the title right because uh, yeah, both Kyle and I did uh, play the Matrix, enter the Matrix uh, on our respective PlayStation Twos mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, but it sounds like maybe you had more familiarity with that game than you even did the films. I did. I just remember playing as Jada Pinkett, Jada Pinkett Smith's uh, character, and I remember it being a huge letdown. Like my brother and I, were just like what? It, it was like the Batman Forever game. It's just like what do we even do in this? Like. You, it seems like such a cool idea for a video game, but maybe we were just not, we just couldn't figure it out, whatever was happening in that game. Yeah, graphically, that game was very, very impressive, but it, it was mostly just like kind of a beat-em-up, honestly. You just like walk up to people and spam just button presses and cool animations play out. So it had a very loosey-goosey kind of feel to it. It wasn't terribly responsive but holy shit, Batman Forever, you just brought back some nasty memories, Kyle. Mm. Mm. <laughs> um, that game on the Genesis, not not just yeah. the Super Nintendo. Because the Super Nintendo, you had the benefit of having all those fancy buttons. <laughs> the Genesis, like a three-button three buttons, Genesis controller. Yeah. You're, you're, you're pressing select to do vital game functions in that game. That, you, should, no, you should not be doing that. <laughs> that video game, they should go back and see if there was a spike in reading for children. Because that video game was so bad that kids picked up fucking books <laughs> because it sucks so much 
I mean, I didn't go that far, but I do actually remember. Like, <laughs> I, I do actually remember book. getting. I, I remember getting in a like a wrestling match with my friend at his house because he was the kid with the Genesis in the neighborhood, Ugh. and we were like tussling on the floor, and like it ended with us picking up the instruction manual and like spending a half an hour reading it to to like learn how to how to use the gadgets because you had to do like mortal Kombat style button inputs just to use a fucking gadget it was ridiculous if you had wasted your block bu- blockbuster video game rental on that on a saturday night oh man I don't... we never got past the first level like it took us half the afternoon to figure out how to shoot the the, the grappling hook it's yeah. it's like it's like up in the start button on the genesis it was ridiculous it's agony it's true agony it agony, agony. but anyway um yeah so it sounds like in from your standpoint like the matrix you you acknowledge like its cultural footprint print but you didn't personally like interact with it very no. much yeah that's fair i mean that's that's cool you had your guitar you were up to other probably better things honestly but i feel like the only one I, I felt like the only one at the time when it came out i'm just like i don't get what's so great about this guys uh it's it's your harry potter for for me anyway um, lord of the rings <laughs> No, I mean, I I still haven't seen a Harry Potter film. Ah, okay. A Harry Potter film. Uh, so it's kind of similar relationship where it's just like everybody around me is just obsessed with this thing. I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Was that John Hurd or whatever from Big? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I forget, I forget the guy's name. But anyway, I don't get it. <laughs> but uh, for me personally, uh, The Matrix, I was telling Kyle uh, just before we started recording, like, Man, I I probably owe the the Matrix a lot more credit than I ever than I ever give it. Like I I, I owe it a lot for like shaping my personal interest in film. Like like it hit me at a pivotal time. Like mm-hmm. like you said, you were you were like what just under ten years old yeah. or something when it came out. Yeah, that means I was like what twelve or something. Yeah, like I I wasn't old, but I was old enough to be very receptive to all the things that are being thrown at me in this film uh but yeah when it came out in 99 i actually did have the i did have the the pleasure of seeing it in the theater and you're absolutely right the marketing campaign for the movie was gigantic like the what is the matrix tagline combined with helicopters exploding and bullet time shit so i was looking at the runtime and we started the film and I, i was just like i don't remember what happens in the first one so steph did a little bit of research she was just kind of sitting there with me and she was like she stated basically what I already knew was something about this. Was like, yes, this uh, film was largely um, influenced by anime, and also uh, they used a lot of uh, uh, Hong Kong wire work for the uh, like for the action sequences. I'm like, I knew that. I just but but it hit me like her saying it out loud. I'm like, this is two and a half hours long, anime wire work. <laughs> This is going to be a four-hour episode because <laughs> Trevor's <laughs> going to get going on it. But luckily, well, the movie yeah. is not good. So I'm like, oh, okay. So he's going to have nothing to say, nothing positive to say. Yeah, spoiler alert for a, a contemporary release for a change. Um, yes, uh, The Matrix Resurrections is not very good. Um, yeah, I, I probably could go four hours talking about the first Matrix film, but we're not here to talk about that. <laughs> we're not here Thank to talk God. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. But um, <laughs> it is a Monday, God damn it! I just got off of work. I gotta show. work tomorrow. I gotta work tomorrow. <laughs> I gotta be up early, man. Um, oh. But, oh, like... The, the first Matrix was a huge deal to me and my friends and stuff. And, like, 
the the cultural footprint the the franchise in particular that first film holds is tremendous um i mean the the aesthetics the the concepts the introduction of yuan wuping uh his hong kong style martial arts choreography and the liberal use of wire work which had been used in hollywood for sure but never in such an audacious manner like like you would see in a chinese like a mainland chinese production like a wuja film essentially um so much of the movie just like had a way of influencing the film industry like worldwide for so many years. I mean, Charlie's Angels, that that yeah. reboot of the franchise in the form of those two movies, would not exist in the form that it did without the influence of the Matrix. Um, and beyond that, though, it's like it's a good fucking movie. That first one is really good. Like I, I actually just rewatched it with the girlfriend because she she told me she had seen it. But I asked her some very basic questions about like foundational elements of the story, and she she didn't quite know. So I was like, you know, before we watch this fourth film in the franchise, maybe maybe we should at least make sure you know the first one. It, maybe it is that's it's just that movie for our generation because it was so big and there were so many trailers. Maybe we maybe she never actually did see it, but she saw so much from the trailers and so much from pop culture that you felt like you've seen it almost like because i kinda... we did we did talk about that actually because her brother was really into it so it may it may have just been the like walking into the room when her brother was watching it and kind of like tr- tr- tricking yourself into thinking you know the whole thing i used to <clears> tap <throat> out during movies sometimes i think that might have been one of them where my my like my parents would rent a movie my brother and i'd be watching it and just like 20 or 30 minutes into it i'm like yeah you know i think i'm just gonna go i'm gonna go to my room and play guitar with the headphones on, like, I'm just not feeling this. I think that might have been my first Matrix experience. Well, I mean, the the first movie, like like I said, we only just watched it a few days ago. Um, I I did notice uh, she was getting kind of uppity because, like, it takes its time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it leaves a lot of questions hanging out there until, like, 40-plus minutes in. She's like, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Um, it's not that she was bored. It's that she was frustrated. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm, I'm tired of these teases. Can we just... Can you give me something to hold on to? But anyway, um, the the sequels to the, the Matrix film, uh, Reloaded and Revolutions, uh, do not have the most stellar of reputations uh, in most circles. Like, they're, It's very rare you come across people that are like ardent fans of those two <laughs> films. I personally actually appreciate them. Like, I I don't think they're as good as the first one, but they tell a mostly complete story, and they are massively ambitious in ways that this this latest one absolutely is not. Uh, if you look at the just the sheer scale uh, of Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, it's really impressive shit. Like like the second one has so many set piece moments that for me personally. I can forgive so much of the navel-gazing and, like, philosophical just bad, 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 bad bullshit that happens in that movie just because we have the Chateau fight, we have the fucking freeway scene, we have the burly brawl. Like, for fuck's sake, Kyle, they built a fucking stretch of freeway to blow up. Like, they built a fucking freeway in Australia to blow up. Like, the, the benefit that Reloaded has is that it has so many things that do not exist in other films. That's like if it wasn't done here, there's a chance it would be done elsewhere, but very like very slim chance. Like I can't really think of many other films that have reached as far as that one had in terms of like action set piece design and whatnot. And then you get to Revolutions, and it's just like it is so excessive. It's al- it's almost like 
you need to take a breath like after you're done with that movie it's just like jesus fuck like like we really just jammed it all in there and on top of that kyle this will make you happy like a lot of people actually think of reloaded and revolutions as being kind of bloated they're about 20 minutes shorter than resurrections this that's that that blew my mind when i looked at, at the at the time for all of them i was like what there's so much more that happens in those movies but they're shorter well i do i do remember from the first movie when i did watch it was i got like some of those like undergraduate ideas of philosophy it's like if i tell you that's a chair what makes it a chair kind of shit that's like if i'm eating this steak you're telling me it's fake but if what's the so I'm like, well, at least they're doing something there. It's kind of fun. And if you're 10 years old or 11, whenever you watch it, you're like, that's kind of crazy. I never thought about that. Like, it's a really interesting idea at the time. This movie, Resurrections, is talking about a lack of plot almost. Like, that's what the conversation in this movie is. It's just like, we're going to jabber. And we're like, what are we going to do? We're just going to bust Trinity. The whole movie is just, we're going to bust Trinity out. The whole goddamn movie. Yeah, you're not wrong, actually. If you really do break it down to its barest of bones, that's literally what happens in the movie. Like, like that that is that is the plot progression. Like, like in terms of like, like overarching like plot plot design and like world building, it's all noise aside from just that. Like the rest of it's all it's all just color. It's all just it's a whistle. It's a wazzle. It's very very dushed. Yeah. <laughs> um. Did you have more to say about your background with it? Uh, just the last thing. Sorry. Like, uh, last thing I'll say is that um, there are there were two massive red flags for me uh, just before I started watching uh, Resurrections. No, because I just I think I like pulled up the Wikipedia page. Or, no, I read an article. Um, oh I Jesus! Actually, Why would you read an article <laughs> before? You I go? didn't read it. I didn't read any reviews. Okay. Um, I I didn't read any reviews before I watched the film. So like I'll. I, think that's important to disclose actually yes. i didn't allow anyone else to color my perceptions of the thing uh, I, I just i, I, I pulled up an article on a on a martial arts film blog that i've been going to for years because i was curious about who was behind the camera um and i saw some things that made me deeply <laughs> unhappy <laughs> um namely that uh yuan Wuping did not return for this film that would of course be the the legend of of chinese martial arts choreography and one of the biggest assets of those Matrix sequels in particular, because he's, he's doing some, like, by Hollywood standards, like Hollywood standards, like masterclass shit uh, in terms of, like, early 2000s Hollywood action design. Um, and on top of that, uh, Don Davis did not return either. Uh, that would be the composer uh, for the mm. first three films. And those films have a very, very distinct visual aesthetic and a very, very distinct soundscape. Um, and right off the bat, I was like, okay, so you didn't get the you didn't get the same guy to build the action scenes, and you didn't get the same guy to build the music. Oh no! <laughs> and not only that, Lana Wachowski apparently has credit as the action choreographer for the film. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what qualifications one has to have in order to obtain that title, but. I don't imagine directing Sense Eight <laughs> makes you an expert in the field of action design, but um, I will say this much: nothing in nothing in, in the action design of this film is laughable. But it is it is not of the same caliber, no. um, nor is it to the same ambition level uh, as that which came before, which is very very disappointing. But I, I just want to say that the uh, 
the Matrix was important to me at one point in time and continues to be, I guess. I, I, I'm not very public about acknowledging that, but if I'm being 100% honest, a lot of the music from those movies had a place on all of my CD and MP3 players over the years. I'm intimately familiar with the soundtracks of all three of those first Matrix films. Uh, the DVDs for those movies are probably some of the best-selling, uh, if I had to guess, of all time, just because of those set-piece moments that I, I rattled off from from all three films. They're, they have, they all have weaknesses as films in totality, but in isolation, if you just like examine single sequences of them, really fucking impressive stuff. So like like hanging out with my friends on the couch, like playing fucking dvds through my friend's xbox 360 or whatever <laughs> like like that that was the shit putting on the burly brawl on no not an xbox 360 an, an old xbox yeah. with with the duke controller uh that that was some fun times back in the day and you you better fucking believe we all had sunglasses and airsoft guns <laughs> uh, no no dusters chain, though I, no chain i wallets. never had a fucking duster <laughs> no no chain wallet uh, matt had one of those i never had a chain wallet no duster but nice. I did have a shit ton of airsoft guns and sunglasses. <laughs> um, one other thing I just want to toss out there is that I was telling Kyle about this. Um, I think it's really fascinating. And this may be a project for another day or something, but I call it the trilogy of trilogies. Um, the Matrix was part of that, part of that trifecta yeah. where we had Star Wars Episode One in 1999. I believe the Matrix dropped the same year, um, if not just before. They were both 99. Um, and then Lord of the Rings, 2001, right mm. on, like hot on the heels, and they all came to a conclusion within a couple of years of each other. Th- those are three gigantic, the basically as big as movies can get, kind of big franchises, all running p- parallel to each other, all at once. That that was an incredible moment in time. Oh yeah, and then like right hot on the heels of that, we would get like Pirate. Spider-Man and X-Men and shit, and Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean, shit. yeah. Yeah, we we was raised on the franchises. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, it has like it has just stormed. Like maybe that's why our child. That's why '90s kids like to go back to like those like have the nostalgia for those '90s movies because we just got steamrolled by these big franchises uh, right after the night. Basically, at the end of the '90s into the aughts, like that's what we had. Uh, of those those uh, three franchises you were talking about, one of them is a steamroller of awesomeness, and I'll let you figure out which one it is, listener. Um, so I already gave the plot summary, which is basically Neo is back in the fucking Matrix, and they had get him out so that he can go get his girlfriend again. That's the plot of the movie. But I want to yeah. throw something at you, Trevor. Have you ever had, maybe it's just with newer movies, have you ever had, you get a group of actors and you see them playing characters and the movie's telling you that these people are going to be characters in the movie, but when you see them acting, you're like, they're not going to be characters in the movie. Because when I saw Bugs come onto the screen, I'm like, that's not going to be a character. Like, she's she's a character, like, she's one of the main characters, but she's not a character in the movie, if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? I do, um, I and I did get a similar vibe. I was like, like she's basically an instrument to push characters where they need to be. It's, it's like just like taking a simple- Neo is largely yeah. he's largely a fish out of water. Uh, therefore, he can't have as much agency as the script requires from moment to moment. So, in case of danger, insert bugs, yeah. and and the plot will move forward. Yes. It's like it's, I've, I I like to equate it to you go for a sip of coke, and someone brought you diet coke, and like, well, that wasn't right. <laughs> it takes you a second. You're like, 
<laughs> Something's off here. Is this Diet Coke? Yeah, no, that's not that's not that's not gonna work. <laughs> I need Coke, please. Well, to to pull it a little bit further, it's like, oh, I can take that back for I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I'll, I'll, I mean, I hang on to it. <laughs> I'll, like, I'll sip on this. I'll sip on it, but <laughs> like, I'm not happy about it. I'm not happy about not it, happy but about I'm not I'm not giving it back. You made the mistake, which is fine. Yes, yeah, so you're busy. I will take the Diet Coke, but just know I'm upset. Uh, but the the frustrating thing is, is that. Um, the guy who plays Morpheus. Now, yes. can, we, let's, can we talk about just a few of the actors that we have in this? Of course, we've got Neo. Actually, yeah, we, maybe, I think it's important. maybe that's a good starting point. Let's talk about the so, actors. Yeah. yeah, have at it. Have at uh, it. So, of course, we have Keanu Reeves uh, phoning it in in this movie, playing uh, playing Neo. He is. I'm sorry. He's he's not at the beginning, but once he gets out of the Matrix, it's phone. It's phone. Um, Carrie. Oh, I forget her name. I'm sorry. Is it? Uh, uh, Carrie Ann Moss. Carrie, I get Carrie Work, Carrie Washington, and Carrie Ann Moss. I get. I'm like, I don't know which one is which. There, it's all Carries. Um, <laughs> she's on the screen for about 40 seconds, I think total. Uh, so she's kind of back from the movie. Lawrence Fishburne, no, uh, none. Just, just give. If you're not going to give me the fight choreographer, give me him. Just give me Lawrence Fishburne. Um, but the actors that we have in place, we have Neil Patrick Harris playing the therapist slash is he an agent is he the architect i don't know what he is but he's in the movie <laughs> he's supplanted the position of the architect from from the second and third films okay i actually didn't mind him in this movie because i do like nph uh, barney stinson uh he's kind of fun but um the guy who plays morpheus now you yeah. have you haven't seen the watchman series yet have you i haven't but you told me it was mostly quite good it's one of my favorite HBO things that they've done. Like True Detective and Watchmen are like just right, just way up there. Um, he's in that and he's really good. And he's actually, I think he started about 2012. He's in a bunch of stuff. Like I think you're going to continue seeing him and stuff. But I, I liked him. Um, and there was one more and they completely wasted him. And I'm going to see if you can guess who I'm talking about. Um, he looks like a, a porn parody of Carrie Elwes. Oh, Jonathan Groff. Yes, as as Smith, not Agent Smith, because there are no agents in the in the Matrix Resurrections. But um, yeah, uh, the girlfriend popped uh, when Jonathan Groff showed up. Is she a Mindhunter uh, fan? Course, uh, I can't mm. speak to that. I seriously doubt it. Nah. But she is a she is a trained singer. She's a fan of musical theater. Oh, and yeah. he has an extensive background in musical theater. Uh, Perhaps most notably to mainstream audiences, uh, he I believe plays the king in Hamilton. Ah, um, I did not know that. Yeah, so she she had a good giddy as a schoolgirl moment in my Matrix viewing, where I was like, "What the fuck is wrong?" Oh, <laughs> that okay. <laughs> but uh, he's in he's in Mindhunter. He plays a federal agent in Mindhunter, and he just walks this interesting line. Like he's a good guy in the show, but he has like a dark side to him. And I was talking to Steph. I'm like, do you think he'd make a good Bond villain? Because he's just got a he's got a way about him. Um, I'd like to see him in more stuff, but I just feel like he was very much wasted. I was actually kind of excited when I saw him. I'm like, oh, he's Smith. Interesting. And then that just gets punched in the face. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about that actually, because uh, actually I, I I do see what you see. Um, I think he could play like a I don't know. A, a mustache twirling bond esque villain, if not a prop bond villain proper. Um, so maybe in the future or something, depending mm-hmm. on where they take that franchise. But um, 
I am still not quite sure how I feel about the inclusion of Smith, where it's just like, do we need him? Because oh, he contributes, he contributes nothing but color and flavor, which this movie is lacking in. So I understand the need to include such things, but at the same time, it it, it literally fizzles out. Like he just bamps out of the oh, movie. It's for me another another beverage. Okay, so it's like I'm going to grab a glass of Hawaiian Punch, nice red Hawaiian Punch, and somebody's giving me Kool Aid. You're like, what the fuck? This isn't even close to the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, where's that little guy that punched me in the face? What? <laughs> like, where's the kick? God damn it. <laughs> oh. It's like red tang. <laughs> Some bullshit. We're not here for the vitamins. We're here for the sugar. The sugar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, any, uh, any other notables you want to throw out there? Trevor. Absolutely not. Yes. There's nobody else in this movie. <laughs> I want to point so them out. That was a very Wayne, Wayne Campbell-esque Trevor. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of other familiar faces that pop up. But as Kyle had said, most of these aren't really characters. These are these mm-hmm. are plot conveniences. Not not even contrivances. These are conveniences. These, these are lubricants uh, to help us get to the end of yeah. this overly long movie. Yes, they are warm liquid goo. They're the warm liquid goo that gets this movie going. Uh, no, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith in old lady yes. makeup, which honestly she does a decent job. Like it's not half bad. Like I've seen some pretty bad old people makeup uh, performances. Winona Ryder in Edward Scissorhands. That's oh, one of the yeah. worst. <laughs> that is that, awful. That was a that was a not a good choice uh same with the voice modulation on top of that it's like she just sounds like a fat guy (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't sound like an old woman that sounds like a very heavy man (laughs) and then it came over to my house yeah she got the meat sweats in the rocking chair (laughs) Uh, but yeah actually i didn't bother to do, do research as to whether or not that was makeup appliance or cgi uh, either potato. way, it doesn't. It look. It looks fine. Potato, I mean, tomato. It, it doesn't. Yeah. It does. It's not cumbersome. It doesn't get in the way of your viewing experience. But yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith is here, which is a funny connection actually, because uh, if memory serves, um, during like pre-production of the first Matrix, uh, Will Smith uh, was supposed to be Neo. Mm. Um, they didn't get him, and I think that worked out for the better. Uh, but they got his wife uh, in the sequels. So, you know, I guess they they retained that that open line of communication, perhaps with the Smith household. Um, but yeah, there, actually, it's kind of funny. There's a lot of weird connections between the the trilogy of trilogies that I mentioned earlier, because you have Hugo Weaving mm-hmm. uh, with a, with a major appearances in the Matrix, and then you know limited appearances in Lord of the Rings, and then you have like Christopher Lee popping up again minor appearances in both star wars and lord of the rings like there's there's a lot of cross-pollination and stuff between all that but anyway that i, I promise i won't come back to that too often but uh where would you care to start uh talking about the film proper kyle <laughs> fucking uh we've got um numbers and voices and then what well, the, the beginning was confusing it's supposed to be a rehash of i guess the opening of the first movie i'm like is that trinity but i'm like but that's not the actress that plays trinity it's somebody else so it's like these people watching it and i was really concerned at this point because i'm like oh fuck i have no idea what any of this means like what's going on all honestly i was able to follow this movie for the most part because it's 
it's whatever it was is just it's just a really watered down simple plot of we're gonna go pick up my girlfriend out of her warm liquid goo bathtub um but (laughs) i think we should just start with uh the only sequence that's decent and uh i I can just kind of run through we don't have lawrence fishburne so we have a younger guy playing morpheus so what appears to be happening is blue hair girl is watching the opening of the first movie and she meets morpheus before he's morpheus so it's like a time it feels like almost like a time travel thing i i don't know if you can explain this better than me (laughs) i don't really know what's going on i I will try my best kyle uh so it's funny actually this movie tricked me into thinking that i wasn't getting it for a very long time and then I (laughs) i thought about it and i was like and i talked about with the girlfriend a little bit so she helped she deserves some credit for that but um i i came to the realization it's it's so it's almost simplistic to the point where it's like i'm actually kind of mad at it yeah like like there's a lot of gibbering and dialogue early on in the film about what what the matrix is Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll get to that big reveal like as to what we're alluding to there in just a second here but there's a lot of dialogue between characters like made a commentary as to what the actual like cultural identity of the matrix franchise is yeah. um and they they rattle off all the things that kyle and i did in the prologue to this to this review here um and all of all of that points to like like the navel gazing and the pop psychology stuff is pop philosophy that is well and psychology actually mm-hmm. um being part of the package uh when you when you do a matrix film and what's curious about this one is like this one has so little to say. It has so many words, but so little in terms of like actual message or commentary. It's shocking, actually. I was I was really shocked by by how straight they play it. Where it's like I was expecting a shoe to drop at some point that just never did. We get like a th- there's like maybe forty five seconds to ninety seconds of like political sub like current political subtext from NPH yeah. at one point. But it's so like it it like I said, it just kind of passes through you. It's it's not even anything new. It's just like yeah, okay, that's something. But yeah, yeah, there there is there is a dig thrown at, at like I don't know online conspiracy group type thinking and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it all just comes down to like all this monologuing. Really, all it is is saying sheeple, like just one word, just sheeple. Yeah, it's like sheeple are a thing that exists. It's yeah, you know where I heard that the first matrix <laughs> it's like and you know it was a lot more revelatory in 1999 than it is in 2021 um but yeah it makes almost no new contributions no. uh in terms of like expanding the concept of the matrix or anything like that and i was really shocked by that being as we've had so many other mindfuck movies in the intervening years since the trilogy wrapped up that like the most the most basic thing that i was actually wholeheartedly expecting for this movie kyle the most basic thing I would have expected them to do, the most basic fucking horseshit I would have expected, <laughs> was a Matrix within a Matrix, mm. like in, Inception shit. Like, like how do you how do you trick people into thinking they're not in a Matrix? Put them in another Matrix, <laughs> well, like, and they don't act. They didn't do it. It's not that I, it's not that I wanted that. It's it's that part of me expected some crazy horse shit like that to happen. I think it, it really didn't. It really is as simple as just like yeah, they they found the cable that they dropped and they put it back in his head <laughs> I, I think christopher nolan i mean thank god for the expanse really because i think christopher nolan's just like 
Oh, no, I'm not going to give them any kind of science fiction ideas to work with anymore. None. I've taken them. Because he took Inception, basically. It's just like, anytime you try to go within another reality, it's just like, you're, you're doing Inception. You can't do it. Yeah, and the realm of time belongs to Christopher yes. Nolan now. Yes, like, like that you you can't touch that subject matter for a good long while. Not until he's dead and buried. And <laughs> like, like he's got it unlocked. If he's even a real person, he could be a hologram. I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, he he really does seem to have something in common with a lot of the agents we've seen in these Matrix films. <laughs> I actually have a Christopher Nolan joke in here at one point. I'll let you know when I get to it. Uh, <laughs> it'll make sense. Okay. It'll make sense. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just say this much. When he's firing production assistants, I'm sure he gets up into their ear and just says, only human. <laughs> or something like that. It is inevitable. <laughs> or some shit like that. Inevitable. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so, but to, to answer your question, though, uh, to try to explain this prologue. So Kyle's absolutely right. We essentially have a recreation of the opening sequence from the original Matrix film, albeit with a more friendly color palette um, <laughs> and better, like more, like more obvious lighting. More better. Uh, the yeah. movie is the the movie is not ugly to look at, um, but I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss the aesthetic of the older films. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this one's more colorful. It's more friendly. That's not exactly what I was hoping for. Uh, I really do like the like oppressive quality to the older films. Like Kyle, I do. I know. I know you. You will not be going back to see Reloaded or Revolutions. I don't. I can't think of a, a way to convince you to do that. Nor do I think you'd really enjoy those movies. But the production design uh, of some of the Machine City stuff and like the earnest quality uh, when it comes to like actually like logically trying to design some of that stuff is impressive because like um what was it uh terminator remember remember in remember when they actually show like skynet and it's like it's got like it's got like computer chairs and like desks and it's like this is the one with sam worthington and stuff this would be terminator 4 oh okay um, yeah salvation um when when he wakes up in skynet and it's like it looks like oh, the yeah. apple store yeah. and there's like chairs and like monitors <laughs> the apple everywhere store. it's like <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's what yeah, it looks like. It looks it's like, all like white yeah. and shit. Yeah. It's all sterile and white and shit. Yeah. But it's like, who the fuck is using a chair no, in a team. robot in a robot place? Yeah. Like the robots don't need chairs. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's no crying at Skynet. There's, <laughs> there's no sitting at Skynet. <laughs> for, for real, man. <laughs> but anyway, uh, it when it comes to the production design of those older matrix films there is kind of like a, a mean gnarly quality to some of the sets and stuff that and the props well uh, that's kind of missing from this one i do remember the lighting very much like i do remember seeing like neo in his office and like i want to kill myself and i'm not even working in a job yet <laughs> because that looks the like whatever filter they have on that and the lighting they use is just like that looks like hell yeah, it it it's, has like Joe versus the volcano vibes. It's like this is like fluorescent hell. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you can actually hear the light sources in your ears. Fluorescent hell. I, that's oh, that's haunting. That really just that is painful to hear you say that. Ooh. Sequel to the Neon Demon. Fluorescent hell. Fluorescent hell. <laughs> oh God. Uh, but yes, we do get a recreation essentially, albeit with uh, an actress standing in for what we assume is Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity. And we're introduced to Jessica Henwick's bug, or bugs, rather, as in the the bunny, Bugs Bunny. This is a Warner Brothers production, so we could do that. We can do that. Um, maybe the only reason we did that, honestly, is because we could. Bugs, computer um, bug, it makes sense. 
it makes sense. It, it's a, it's wordplay. It's fun. Not really. But yeah. anyway, she's she's observing, and we see that uh, now, whatever point in the Matrix's chronology, uh, the operators uh, can actually like project a holographic like consciousness. Mm-hmm. So instead of just like being a voice in her ear, we actually have a dude like hanging out with her, but he's not really there. Um, but there's like some meta commentary shit going on here, where she's watching the same scene we are. And she knows how it plays out. She's actually calling the beats before they happen, but she keeps remarking on how it's wrong. She's doing she's doing the Kevin Spacey Lex Luthor the wrong <laughs> like like she's like a fan. She's like I want to say this is like made a commentary with this is probably shit that you would hear from fans of the franchise mm-hmm. where it's like if there's a certain expe- expectation that you'll pay homage to that which came before or or you'll you'll adhere to the source material to some extent. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're getting at here. But yeah, she's pointing out that like the, I've seen this scenario. This is part of history, but it's playing out wrong somehow. Um, and the Trinity character gets subdued uh, by by the agents pursuing her. Um, and then there's a kerfuffle in the form of Bugs uh, somehow inserting herself into the action basically by accident. And we see that she is plucky. Uh, which is not especially a quality that's important to me in characters. <laughs> like, like I, I'm not really big on plucky. It's it's like I I I don't need that in my characters. But that's like the extent of her characters that she has that like uh I don't she, every line she has in this movie is delivered in this like breathy like airy tone where it, there it, I think it's like supposed to be like a reverent quality to it where it's like she's she's trying to play up that everything's important all the time it's like if you say everything that way then nothing registers to me as important she's kind of annoying like ryan reynolds and blade three where it's just like you just don't fit here like it just doesn't fit for this um what's going on in the rest of the movie um you know what i mean it's just like it it just sticks out for me um because this one's more playful this is more of a playful movie as opposed to like is it carrie ann moss is that her name yeah yeah She's like the most stern, like, like robotic non-Terminator that I've seen. Like, I remember maybe that was something that turned me off about that movie. It was just like her performance. Like, she's very serious, very rigid. Like, there's no joking, nothing like that in that first movie. I do remember that about her. This is just like fun. Like everybody's, it's just kind of fun. Like the characters that Keanu's around. Yeah, it's it is surprisingly low stakes, honestly, and that's something that like. <laughs> <laughs> Trevor, no, yeah, Jada Pinkett Smith, no, Nobia, no, no, is that her name? Niobe, Niobe, she's yeah. just Nokia. <laughs> um, she's just like I'm not gonna let you get out there because I've set up this new oasis or Iosis or whatever the fuck, and you could bring that down. I'm like, that's legit. That's a legit reason to not let him do this. He leaves almost instantly. Like <laughs> it's, not, it's not even funny. And she lets it happen. I'm like, okay, shoot that fucking thing down. She's like, eh, oh well. You yeah, took, she she lets him go. You took the stakes right out of it. I'm like now we have a, like now we have warring factions. Like now we have a good, technically a good person trying to keep the place safe, and then you've got MPH doing whatever the hell that's supposed to be doing, the architect. But yeah, they just completely just lose that thread. Yeah, uh, that was one of the more frustrating parts of the movie for me, honestly. is because that that's where it became clear. This movie has a lot of things that it, it doesn't mind talking about. Like, it's not, it's not like, 
super pressing that he absolutely has to talk about these things. It's, just, it's like you go over to your grandma's house or something. And she's like, come over here. Let's show you my garden. It's like, okay, grandma okay. saw last week. But it's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you got sprouts. Cool. <laughs> uh, it, it's like, really, like literal sprouts in this movie where it's like all the stuff at the, the new city, Io or EO or however the fuck it's pronounced. It's Nokia. just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, it's, <laughs> It's all just color. It's all just yeah. a flourish that, that contributes nothing. And I hate it. I absolutely <laughs> hate it when I see this in movies, Kyle. Like, maybe you can relate to this. I hate Probably. it when a, when a big movie, like, you had told me this movie is almost $200 million budget. I think that's far in excess of the movies that came before. And if you look at what, what I said about Matrix Revolutions, that movie is packed to the hilt with with really ultra ambitious effects work and stunt work even the script has some has some like kind of out there ideas but it's trying its best god damn it the point is it's a big movie that is reaching very far it stumbles along the way but at least it reaches far this movie is bloated in terms of budget and i absolutely hate when i see this where we have this big grand world that you, we, we're going to show you five shots of it mm-hmm. and we're going to have an entire city represented by uh, general and her old old bitty friend and her robot friend and that's the city like we don't get to see anyone that's in the all. streets we don't get to see the populace we don't get to see anything about how the thing functions we get to see how they grow plants and shit but like that that's not a city those are just like the top brass yep. like that doesn't represent anything about that world it's just like you're pretending that you did the legwork and like the world building but it you, you didn't you just didn't well, sometimes that can, like, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm thinking, like, Blade Runner, like, the original Blade Runner. When we get those, like, basically those paintings uh, of the city, it's like, we don't get that a lot throughout the film. But when you, when it hits you, when you're watching it, it's just like, oh, it just sings. And, but you don't really spend, like, uh, you do spend a lot more time on the streets, though. And you kind of get a sense of what that what that city feels like. And it makes it seem more real and it makes the scale like even more like oh oh i can't look at it much longer it's really bitching um yeah you get none of that like even though like blade runner i i continually point to being like an absolutely gorgeous film like on an aesthetic level untouchable uh on a like a characterization and plot level i still struggle to connect with it sometimes that's fine but i love looking at it and i Mm. love listening to it um but even that though like as an example it, it shows you so many angles of that city. Very and much. It, 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 and it explains quite a bit of it. And you actually get to see quite a bit of it as well. Like, like there's a lot of concepts that are imparted to you, and you get to see many different, like, levels to the social strata. You get to see the people on, of high society. You get to see the people in the slums. You get to see, you get to see a lot of the world. Yeah. Whereas this, this city here in Matrix Resurrections is just, it's a gone. general. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and then we're gone. It's gone. Oh, okay, I guess that city functions. Like, they seem happy with it. I don't know, though. There seems to be some sort of conflict there that we're ju- we just apparently don't have time to talk about in our two-and-a-half-hour movie. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. Almost like there was no reason to go there. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the, the dark side of that conversation is maybe there's plans to make a series or I something. I think we're doing a little bit of a passing of the torch here. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that that's kind of the vibe I got from the supporting cast who, as Kyle and I had both indicated, failed to connect with us. Um, there's 
I don't know. There, there's a little bit too much going on in the background that suggests that maybe there's plans to like parlay this into a series or something with Jessica Hendwick at the helm, um, and then all her robot friends and or sentients, uh, as I think they're referred to in the film. Um, that is a interesting development. But yeah, uh, the prologue is very strange in this film. Uh, that that's another thing that really bothered me about the editing of this film. That that's something I haven't talked about oh, just yet, dude. There is a there is an editing sequence in here where I was watching. I look down, and we're talking to an Indian woman in a forest. I'm like, "What the fuck?" We she they were she was chewing somebody out, and we are in a forest now. And I didn't look down long enough for that to be an adequate amount of time for the editing. I'm like, "What the fuck just happened?" Oh, did did you miss the the CGI Falcon robot show up out of nowhere? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, like, I have no idea what the fuck just happened. <laughs> I mean that's a, that's literally a thing that happens in the movie, Kyle. It's they're having a conversation, and then an invisible robot falcon shows up. That's friends with Niobe, by the way, and just interrupts them, and then they just are spirited away to the the techno forest. It's like fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> then we're over there. Jeez. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the the editing in this movie, for the most part, is competent. Like I, I can't think of too many egregious flaws, uh, although. Uh, I'm really glad you pointed out the brevity of the IO sequence because literally like Neo uh, Keanu is put in a prison cell and within 20 seconds he is removed from sure. it. It's 10 it's like, se- you could go back in time. It's 10 <laughs> fucking seconds. He literally walks in, Morpheus walks in and he's out. Like it's insane. Yeah, it it's like wow. Uh you couldn't have like padded that out just like a little bit because <laughs> it just seems laughable the way it is. Uh, it's it's not horrible, it's just strange, is all. But, like, what I'm getting at here is that um, I did mention that this film has a different composer from the films that came uh, before. And a composer is Johnny Climac and Tom Twiker. And I, I unfortunately don't recognize either of their names. They put in uh, a workmanlike or workperson-like effort uh, for this film, although it suffers from uh, Hans Zimmer disease a little bit. Mm-hmm. This is a Warner Brothers predict, uh, production, and you better believe those strings are going like all the time. There's that thrumming that's like, you know, The Dark Knight made a lot of fucking money, <laughs> and we are st- we are still aping that uh, to this day. Um, even, even I it's was hard to get away from. I, I actually took a note. I'm like, oh, I recognize the soundtrack here. Because I feel like I've heard it in another movie, and I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I don't normally pick that out, and that's disappointing to me. Because as I mentioned, the previous Matrix films had a, a sound unto themselves. Like Don Don Davis had this thing. I, I refer to it as the sprawl, where it's basically whenever there's like a slow motion sequence or like a, a fast traveling sequence or something, you just have this like cacophony of brass that gives like almost like a spiraling sensation or something. You do hear it pop up in this film from time to time. Uh, but for the most part, it, it just sounds like, I don't know, temp score uh, while someone was listening to way too much Hans Zimmer. Mm. I do want to talk about Keanu working, uh, Keanu working, like him kind of getting out of the Matrix. Because while I feel like it's kind of long, it actually starts off pretty well. Um, but yes. I do want to yeah. ask you something. Um, what did you think about the Dune soundtrack? While you were, did oh. you pick up the score while you were watching that? I did. I mean, it in the theater, it's impossible to ignore. That, that's, <laughs> fair, that's fair. That's yeah. <laughs> like there, all, that is a movie that um, absolutely should be seen on a very big screen with a big old sound system. 
uh, it is tailor-made for that experience and i actually do agree with the director uh, uh D- denis villanueva yeah, or however so. it's pronounced um villanueva it, it, maybe you you really should not see that on your phone or your tablet you like if you can find a bigger screen to watch it on cuz it's it's built for that and i uh, it does a lot of just like imagery sound moments like it really does like just push the pause button on the dialogue scenes from time to time and just let the film sing just let the film speak to you one more thing about dune before we move forward but i had <laughs> i had a real jeff goldblum in jurassic park i'm like they did it crazy son of a bitch did it i'm like how are they going to do the Baron in this movie? From going from the David Lynch movie, Stellan Skarsgård, I'm like, oh my god, they did it. It's beautiful. You mean Marlon Brando? Oh my <laughs> god. It, you could not have cast a more perfect person for that role. That just genius. Absolute genius. Uh, they needed to have him have like a little buddy with O. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he needed a little Island of Dr. Moreau buddy with him. Because, mm-hmm. really, like, the, the even the clothing. It's like, all I see is Marlon Brando, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you got the spice. It's like, I'm here for the spice. We got this big Hawaiian guy. He's got a knife on a force field. <laughs> the fuck's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, no, they they did a great job with Baron Harkonnen. Right. Sorry, I will get Har- his... Har- Harkonnen. 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 Uh, they're very, very, very keen on pronouncing it very specifically Harkonnen in the new one. I gotta... It was kind of bugging me, honestly. I, it, it's kind of like my Blade Runner 2049. Like, I've just got to space it out. Don't watch it right now. i got to space it out before I watch Dune again. But it will happen by the end of 2022, for sure. Yeah, yeah but to answer your question, uh, very good score. Okay. Um, it it most certainly is a Hans Zimmer product. However, the the instrumentation um, is unique to say the least. I mean, some of the like the cultural references to like Earthbound cultures, like known Earth cultures and stuff, feel a little on the nose. But it suits the visual. It complements the visuals very well, such that I would say yes, it's a quality score. Okay. Unlike this film. Unlike which, this uh, one. Sorry, we'll get this back. Unlike this film, which I would say uh, there's an odd quirk in the editing where we have these long conversations where I think I think a decision was made where either Lana Wachowski, our director, solo director, by the way, not a Wachowski's production, just Lana Wachowski, um, decided that the dialogue sequences were dragging or failing to grip, failing to grip the audience. No. Or maybe the producers hit the panic button. I don't know who's responsible for this particular decision, but I noticed this weird quirk where uh, Jessica Henwick, and uh, forgive me if I mispronounce this fellow's name, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, uh, who plays the new Morpheus. Um, and you're absolutely right. Oh. He is having a moment, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's popping up in all sorts of places. I think I caught him in the trailers for the new Candyman. Uh-huh. And, of course, he's he's in Aquaman, which, uh, you know, kind of a big deal for Warner Brothers. But um, that conversation with the two of them in the opening, where he explains who he is and what's going on, is very, very long. Um, and I think a decision was made, like, we don't know how to block this scene, so we're just going to have them awkwardly stand in front of each other and have the camera, like, float around like a Paul, Paul Greengrass, like, handheld shit, mm-hmm. where we're artificially creating tension. But on top of that, we're so, I don't know, like, unconfident. Mm-hmm. It, we, we lack such confidence in our ability to grip the audience in this moment that we need to have the strings going over the whole conversation. It's just like... 
you know my ears can hear that. It's yeah. like it makes it kind of hard to pay attention to this really bizarre dialogue that's being passed back and forth in this opening sequence where I have no fucking clue what's going on, even though I've seen all the other movies. Like, you're losing me very rapidly. Oh, they lost and, I, yeah. <laughs> I have written down an hour and six minutes in, I put down stop watching because I was like, I've checked out now. <laughs> I, and it was I was just holding on for dear life for the rest of this movie. Um, yeah, I, I'm picturing you like on the floor, like just gripping the carpet. I had a moment where I just was like looking at the ceiling. I'm just like, I, just, I can't. Don't look. If at, you like, had a computer chair, that would be when you spin around and look at the ceiling. Like, I'm, <laughs> just, I'm, I'm just like, don't pick up your phone. Don't pick up your phone. Just keep. All right, here we go. Here we go. No, just tap tap into your eight year old self and just go. Ah, <laughs> I'm this sucks. <laughs> uh, lunchable. Calm down. <laughs> yeah. So I do like this sequence with Neo. So Neo is working as Grandma's boy. I guess he's a video game developer or something. Um, <laughs> but he's doing that, and then a Matrix thing like just pops up on his uh, on his screen. So it's like, wait, what's going on here? Like. What, why it's the it's the very famous uh uh is it binary is it ones and zeros basically or it's ones and zeros and japanese-esque characters uh oh. some of them actually are like japanese foreign language characters but flipped like mirrored uh, so it's, it's a combination of numbers and like asian a- vaguely asian characters <laughs> i have vague violence in here or something like and there's some violence vaguely yeah, it, it, we get pretty close to some satisfying violence. It, Not, we don't no, quite get all the way there. Oh, no, the the gunmen, and maybe this is a thing from the other movies, the gunmen are stormtrooper putties. Stormtrooper putties, basically. They affect the story in no way whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of their function in the other films okay. as well. Only difference was they actually did like have a few lines like paying lip service to the fact that uh, anytime you see like SWAT teams or like cops in the other Matrix films, those are still people. Yeah. So they're they're thought of as collateral damage. And in fact, mm. the, the Lawrence Fishburne Morpheus character in the Matrix is actually a terrorist. Like he's actually thought of as like a, a dangerous person. And, I mean that that goes in line with the character. He's a he's a radical free thinker. He's he's a he's a radical terrorist. And yes, he does rack up a body count, but you know for a good reason in like from his perspective and whatnot. But they uh, they change that up in the form of the bots in this film. But yeah, the big reveal that happens here is that there's a there's a buzzword thrown around here in this opening sequence with Jessica Henwick uh, bugs um, modal. Uh, so apparently what she was seeing was some sort of cyclical moment in time, this this Trinity scenario fabricated within the Matrix. So it's it's like a, a bottled moment in time that exists like out of space within the Matrix. Um, and then there's also a plot development in the form of uh, the new Morpheus being spawned from an agent. And his origin is a little tricky, and I'm still a little not positive on it but the way i understand it is he is an agent in the scenario which means he is a computer program because that's what agents are but he develops sentience or he sure. he finds himself through through the repetition of running the scenario um and then he comes to the conclusion that he is both morpheus and agent smith but then there's another pure agent smith that manifests later in the film and she puts sunglasses on him and slips him a Mickey, oh, and he gets shit. dizzy. Oh man! And, and uh, 
yeah, he oh. gets dizzy and he has a bad trip, and then she says that freeing a program from the Matrix <sighs> is akin to freeing a person. So essentially, what we have here is a program that thinks he is Lawrence Fishburne. I'm sorry, you were a cool person, but you were not quite there. Good on you. You're having a great couple of years here, but you still got some work to put in. But he thinks he is Morpheus. Therefore, he is Morpheus and serves the same function as Morpheus. But he's also an agent. And yes, uh, he is. He has person. He has digital personhood. So he is being ripped from the Matrix's confines via these sunglasses and via this drug that is slipped to him within the Matrix. Jesus fuck. <laughs> Have you seen those memes of guys explaining stuff to women and there you can just see from her face she's just like I what? I get it now. Like you explaining that to me, I was just like as I don't I couldn't care. I know that you don't care, but I'm like I could not care less about that love you explaining that to me. And I couldn't imagine somebody else like like you being actually excited about something like that and explaining it to me, but I get I get that now. I get that now. That was painful. Good job, by the way. That was that was. I might. I smell toast. You got <laughs> your nose is your nose is bleeding a little bit, buddy. <laughs> I hear I hear a ringing. In you wait <laughs> here. It is. Oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. Yes, thank you. Yeah. You you stuck the landing on that one, but yeah. Uh, so she and she and Morpheus escape, and the big reveal that happens here is that we pull out from that scene and we discover contemporary Keanu Reeves, long like John Wick hair and beard and all, sitting at his desk. And as Kyle had said, he is Grandma's boy. Uh, he is a game designer, and we see. Um, not only does he have like matrix memorabilia adorning his office so we have like trinity like a todd mcfarland trinity in freefall from matrix reloaded we have a sentinel robot uh we have all these numerous game designer awards and on top of that uh the cherry on top is the music he's listening to in his headphones is a uh, propeller heads which is the lobby shootout sequence music from the first film oh. it's a remix of it apparently but um yeah uh basically we're attempting to float this idea to the viewer at this point in this film that the matrix was a video game series experienced by the masses as a narrative not an actual historical thing that happened in this reality but but like a a story a fiction that is known to the masses designed by keanu yeah you're not really sure what's happening until the very next scene when his annoying boss, co-worker, whatever the fuck this guy is. He's aptly named Jude. He looks like a Jude. <laughs> Jude. Yes, Jude. Um, <laughs> that, that's not what I was going for. No, no, no. Just, like... Sometimes the mics might cut out. I don't want somebody to get this last well, it's, part. It's like, it's like naming a kid Damien. It's like he looks like a Damien. Um... We meet him and he calls him Mr. Anderson. It's like, oh, he's in the simulation. It, like, I already know now because he calls him Mr. Anderson. I'm like, it's the, them telling us that they're in the simulation. Also, the name of the cafe that they're in getting coffee. But this whole scene should actually just be video games and coffee because that's pretty much what all we see. The name of the uh, the little the little coffee shop is uh, Simulate. If you if you don't know if you caught that. Also, yes, uh, the building it, they work for is Deus, Mach, Deus Machina. Yeah, who's so in his God his, machine? <laughs> yeah, his well, his boss, I believe, who is S. Smith, ends up being our Deus Machina or Deus Ex Machina. 
Yes, it, his plot function is absolutely that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that somebody's read a philosophy book or a screenwriting book at some point. Lana Wachowski. <laughs> <Screenwriting>. <laughs> <laughs> that's a maybe. That's a maybe. <laughs> that's a maybe. Um, but yeah, uh, we we have a sequence where uh, Kinanu uh, as as Tom Thomas Anderson mm-hmm. is the name of his character right now. Uh, he goes to this cafe with his quote buddy, just this like. So I mean he he has one he has some of the most cringy lines of dialogue in this whole movie. So I was actually watching this and, he, and so so Keanu Reeves is literally just being his he's just sitting there calmly and kind of listening to this guy talk and it's this fat guy who's just like super energetic and just talking about God knows what and I'm like I feel like Keanu Reeves because he's such a nice guy and well known as a nice guy he's had a lot of interactions much like this out in public. Oh yeah, I'm I'm sure there's there's a lot of manic energy that gets tossed at him and he just has to, you know yeah. <sighs> just keep it together, keep it together, keep, keep it together. together. <laughs> it's like it's like I see in those John Wick movies, I know you can choke a bitch out, but just not now. Yeah. <laughs> like we are in public, sir. Um but yeah, he, that line, total effing milf. Like I, verbatim, total effing milf. It's like is this movie R rated? Because it should be. Like, those other ones were totally R-rated. But I don't actually know if this is PG-13 or not. Keanu gets one um, good fuck in there. It's not even a gr- good fuck, but he gets a fuck in there. Yeah, he does absolutely get a fuck in there. But I did notice that the other one I caught had a had a siren play over it. Uh-huh. No, no, no. It's, it's, in- it's right after it. It's actually pretty funny. I caught that. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a nice little gag. Yeah. I mean, this movie, this movie is... Not good, but, but yeah. you know, credit where credit is due. That little, did tickle me a little bit. There's cute little things sprinkled throughout. throughout. Yeah, and speaking of which, this this part, actually, I kind of was on board for. The I glitch, was kind yeah. of intrigued. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of intrigued by this. And also, I like that um, it's, like, official now, like Keanu's catchphrase. Like, Arnold had, I'll be back, or stick around, or, like, any number of catchphrases and whatnot. Keanu's is just a simple, yeah. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Just, yeah. I do like he gives him just a, like a, yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. He, he does it numerous times in this movie, and in fact, the the last word uttered on screen in John Wick 3, just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's, that's Keanu's thing now. I guess it kind of makes sense for the story, for him to kind of just be, like, bland, because he's not really filling it in the Matrix, and then when he gets out, he's like, he's been in there for so long, he's, like, kind of just depleted and, like, low energy because of it. Yeah, he's supposed to be very passive here, and yeah. also he's in a precarious situation because he's in therapy, and apparently he's coming off of a suicide attempt and whatnot. Um, and they actually do attempt to treat that fairly seriously. Um, and yeah, this this whole beginning chapter, actually, I was curious to see what they were going to do with it. Only right? problem is they did nothing with it, yeah. <laughs> which was a big disappointment. Um, but uh, especially because I, I actually went out of my way to ignore a lot of the marketing for the film and as i said i didn't read any reviews either so this any reveals they had for me i was actually prepped and ready to be receptive to but didn't really didn't really happen but um yeah he runs across carrie ann moss in the cafe and they they uh are forcibly introduced to each other yeah. by his co-worker um and they have like a deja vu moment where it's just like have we met before um, and then there is there is a really cute Easter egg in here. Um, that I, I'm sure it's not that much of an Easter egg these days because the John Wick franchise is such a big fucking deal now. Um, the 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 literal Chad uh, who plays her husband in this film is a uh, Chad 
uh, Stahelski, or Stileski, I forget how it's pronounced. Uh, that would be the director of the John Wick films. I knew um, who con- I knew he was significant. I'm like, I saw him. I'm like, I'm supposed to know him. I don't know why, but I'm supposed to know that guy. Yeah, his his kind of like big, like he had other gigs in the film industry, but like his earlier one of his earlier claims to fame was that he was Keanu's stunt double. Gotcha. Um, much like Tiger Chen was like a, a training partner for him in The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions and whatnot. Um, so to see Chad Stileski or Stileski playing Chad <laughs> um, as as the guy who's boning his lady love, <laughs> like his stunt double is boning his cow. Ah. I was like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like I, I love that. Yeah. And it it like so the girlfriend got her a Jonathan Groff pop. I got my Chad Stileski uh, pop. But speaking of Jonathan Groff, yeah, perfect timing. Um, we have a we have a introduction to him and. Uh, this is where I think they start introducing the quirk of actually just inserting footage from the previous films. Yeah, and um, it doesn't stop, and, Trevor. It just keeps I know, going. I know. And remember, folks at home, Kyle hasn't seen two-thirds of the movies, if not like even more than that, uh, that, that this footage is cold from. So for him, this is just nonsense. It's, I've seen an eighth of the other three movies combined. Yeah, so it's just completely incomprehensible wasted screen time for someone like Kyle, who isn't married to this franchise, uh, like some of the other super fans out there. And, and also, the, by extension, my girlfriend as well. She hasn't seen the other two sequels as well. So, like, she's just like, why, why does the movie keep changing its color palette? <laughs> it's like, why does everybody look younger all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah, I can see that'd be very confusing, yeah. And I was like, well, you know, this is what happens when a... Uh, production studio has zero faith in its audience's ability to uh, follow a story even a simple one like free the princess from the castle oh my gosh <laughs> a That's tale is all this fucking time literally the story yeah um yeah jonathan groff he doesn't do much here that i could really pick up on i could be wrong did you see i don't know what he did he... it's it's all made of horse shit okay they keep inserting clips of he and uh he and Keanu Reeves's initial reaction. So that would be Agent Smith proper, Hugo Weaving, uh, from the Matrix trilogy. Uh, basically, their first interaction in that series, in the first film, came in the form of an interrogation. Mm. So this conversation between them is supposed to mirror that in terms of tone, I guess, to some extent. And also there's, like, themes of duality between the two characters that played out over the course of that initial trilogy. But his first on- on-screen lines of dialogue are quoted directly from agent smith's dialogue from the earlier films but they do this meta refer like referential thing where he turns around and immediately acknowledges like oh that's a line of dialogue that you thomas anderson wrote for that game trilogy that we made a few years ago called the matrix Matrix, yeah we get the name drop matrix i have it in air quotes yeah yeah, and not only that, we also get like a, the a ma- snide remark about Warner Brothers, mm, uh, about the the financiers, the production studio, uh, forcing them to make a follow up to the quote trilogy. Um, and Keanu, of course, is like, "Is that true? Whoa, Warner Brothers is making me make this movie? <laughs> Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> Did they watch Scream Two before they started uh, filming this? Scream One and Scream Two. Uh- no, I I can't say that, but I mean there is a little bit of that quality. The the meta referential like referential stuff is all over the Scream franchise. But like one thing that always strikes me about like the Matrix films is like the connections to like anime and stuff like that. Because like the the Wachowskis tend to 
wear their references on their sleeves and there's nothing wrong with that no. sometimes that's a lot of fun but like neon genesis evangelion uh <laughs> yeah they they uh they have seen that they have seen that show as have i uh, so i get a lot of the references in fact um I want to say the management, uh, the same people who manage the wiki articles for that series probably re- probably manage the, the Matrix wiki. Gotcha. Uh, because it, it is pure, fr- pure, pure, pure frustration, just like we have to make sure that people know. Yeah, I mean, somebody out there has to it has to has be to know. collated and categorized. It has to be organized. <laughs> Sell it. We, we can't. Sell it. <laughs> They're selling it. They're selling it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, the conversation is fairly innocuous other than like winking at the audience and letting them know that we had a Morpheus earlier, right? He doesn't have the same face though. This is agent Smith, but he looks like Jonathan Groff. Uh, so audience try to follow along. Oh yeah. You're too dumb to do that. So here's some, here's some clips from the old movies to tide you over until something happens. Um, we get the but mouth. Then we get our, we get, we the, get our, uh, oh, the, the mouth thing the where his lips go like, like super glue and then it disappears and then he just goes back to talking normal I, I i don't is that from i'm guessing that's from those movies it's from the first movie uh so during that interrogation between uh neo and uh, agent smith uh agent smith uses the powers of the matrix not the transformers matrix but the matrix matrix uh to close keanu's mouth and put a tracking device in his belly button which is really uh, gross yeah it's a squeamy it's a, if you're squeamish for that sort of thing it's a creepy moment but um instead it happens to jonathan groff in the sequence and i think i think this sets the precedent where anytime uh, keanu flips out in this movie where like the matrix starts to break down around him like he starts to see things that should not be uh he blacks out and he appears in uh the analyst's office, which is his therapist played by uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Barney Stinson. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, if, I think I'm correct on that, where pretty much any time the walls of reality start breaking yeah. down around him, he just, like, blinks and he shows up in, in the well, office and is told he just wandered in or something. It's not even that. Oh, well, he does that, yes. He's just like, yeah, you, it co- happens a couple of times. Um, yeah. But did you notice the blue glasses that he's wearing? Uh, Barney. Yeah, it's hard to not notice. That was the other yeah. hint. It's just like he's in the Matrix because of the the blue. He's got the eye work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And blue, so blue pill. Yeah, blue. 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 <laughs> Did you get that? Uh, got it. I think they got it. Uh, yeah, because he's uh, taking blue pills like crazy. He has a therapy session here with Barney, and they just talk about their growth. Um, and then we get to like this this kind of fast cut this was kind of an intro like it was kind of a fun sequence we get a scottish dude doing some meta shit christina ricci just pops in for a like five seconds i'm like oh that's okay she's gone um that's it and we're talking about matrix <laughs> four now we're, this is like the super meta moment is we're gonna do matrix four and then we go shots of him drinking coffee and then him just killed on the elliptical on the treadmill um and i'm not it didn't really make sense like what this was like what 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 was happening in this moment until MPH he explains it later um but then i think where do we get i never oh yeah we get him sitting on the toilet never needed that <laughs> um, and well then, now you've seen it and, and you can cross that off the list and we get I, then we get to i guess he's making they're making video games it's crunch time at uh brainnasium uh <laughs> 
But the Trinity, I actually like the Trinity and Neo Coffee talk. I don't know what was really said, but I think this was like a good acting moment between the two of them. Yeah, it actually feels like a, a fairly naturalistic conversation, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of these movies don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're going to center a lot of your movie around these two characters' relationship, you may as well make sure they have decent chemistry. And fortunately, they kind of do. Yeah, uh, This is a nice little scene. It, it feels like maybe I could have just had this instead of like a, another Matrix movie, honestly. Just Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu drinking coffee. Like my dinner, my dinner with Andre, but it's just like talking about the Matrix. It's them for an hour and a half just saying they're having... Oh, yeah, I don't think that would have been better. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I would love that. I mean, it's, it's two handsome people drinking coffee and talking talking about old times. He, but yeah, uh, he, he buys her like a, a pastry and a, and a coffee and... They start talking, and uh, she reveals that after they had their little bump into it, like, after they had their meet-cute, essentially, she Googled him because he was introduced to her as a world-famous game designer. Mm. And she's like, I confess, I, I went home and I Googled you, so I know I know who you are. Um, and, yeah, they they have, like, some roundabout conversations about existence and how she she's like i have kids do you have kids he's like no she's like sometimes i wonder if i only have kids and am married because that's what society or my upbringing instructed me to do with myself rather than like an actual like willful choice that i i made like per like for myself selfishly (laughs) subtext Um, sorry excuse me (laughs) also uh one little detail um that that's worth pointing out is um, they have sprinkled shots in throughout the movie <clears throat> up to this point of uh, reflections. Of yes, people thank you. not looking like themselves in mirrors or on reflective surfaces. So Keanu, there's two or three shots where it's a, it's fairly apparent. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're at all paying attention, you notice it. Where it's like on on the table at the coffee shop, you notice that ain't Keanu. And, yeah. and when he's taking pills in the bathroom mirror, it's like that's not Keanu. And then. At one point, Carrie Ann Moss's character, Tiffany, by the way, mm. instead of Trinity, um, it's 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 intentional. It's supposed to be like we're, we fucked with the character by naming her Tiffany instead of Trinity. Um, Neil Patrick Harris even admits to it later on in the film. But anyway, we see that her reflection as well differs uh, from her own face. Uh, so it's like we don't exactly know why that is at this point. Um, but yeah, they just have a nice little conversation and we... Uh, the main takeaway is that we learn that she's uncertain as to like how happy she is with her life, and she has some nasty shit to say about her Chad. By the way, oh yeah, <laughs> it's just like I wanted to kick his jaw off when when he said I didn't look like the girl in the game. It's like whoa, I <laughs> I perked up on that. I'm like, okay, that was fucking brutal. That's a brutal thing to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so he ends up going back to the office. As soon as he gets there, they have to evacuate. Um, and as he's evacuating, he gets a little text message. It's like, like the fir- I know at least this from the first movie. He gets the phone calls, like, go down there in the hall. They're coming for you. Same thing. Um, and he meets Morpheus down in the bathroom, and he's just like, you're in the Matrix, bro. Uh, here's the red pill or the blue pill. And Keanu's like, like, no, I made this all in a video game. This isn't real. This isn't happening. And again, Morpheus 2 is just like, no, dude, it's like, it's it's happening and we don't have a lot of time. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, that's broken up and he doesn't take the uh, the red pill right away. 
Yeah, this this whole sequence was kind of irking me a little bit because like I get what they're I get what they're trying to achieve here. Uh, they're really trying to just like f- flip out and just like completely throw things into chaos very suddenly. Only problem is it's not sudden enough. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like things happen at, at too sluggish a pace. Where it's like you really need to just mash that accelerator if you re- if that's the effect you're trying to convey. Because yeah, like. At this point in the story, the Thomas Anderson character is supposed to be firmly be- or trying his damnedest mm-hmm. uh, to think of The Matrix as a video game series that he created uh, and nothing more than that. So whenever he has these episodes where he sees people's mouths get stitched together and stuff, that's that's his false sense of reality intruding on the true reality. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's in therapy and things like this, like men in mustard suits stepping out of the bathroom stall and getting very chummy with him very suddenly <laughs> that's that's like a warning sign that the walls of reality are coming crashing down and this is where the uh phoned in quality of uh keanu's acting that kyle had mentioned earlier starts to rear its ugly head a little bit a panicked keanu is not a good keanu i just don't buy it no like, it's, he's He's not good when he's flustered. No. Like, he's good when he's upset, like when he's mad. Yes, but not when he's supposed to be scared. It's kind of uh, funny. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. Yeah. Well, when he's shaking his finger and saying no, 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 it's it's like a little kid being like, oh no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> like it's hard to take seriously. It, it is, it, but that's why it, that's why I was like, this movie's a little more 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 boppy. It's kind of fun because of that. And I don't think that was the intention, but it did come off as kind of goofy. Yeah, it is very goofy, but yeah, it, it, there's an action scene, a very loosely choreographed action vague. scene involving gunfire and uh, fire sprinklers in the office, and Jonathan Groff inexplicably goes full Agent Smith when mm-hmm. he picks up a handgun that magically transforms into uh, the trademark Agent Desert Eagle, and he call, he bellows out a, uh, Mr. Anderson, he starts uh, shooting at Keanu, uh, there's an explosion. It's very um, underwhelming. Uh, it's save. very underwhelming like i said like there there was a right way to do this kind of thing where you just like go fully ape shit with it like kind of kind of imagine like the editing of the finale of the first matrix film or the or the finale of say terry gilliam's brazil mm. where it's just like people are opening doors and appearing in places they shouldn't be and just like it's just nuts it's like i am not sure i know what's happening it's like well there's a reason for that it's yeah. because the character doesn't know what's happening right now either yeah the ending in brazil the first time you watch it you're like oh, oh, what the fuck's happening now what's he where where did robert de niro go i don't know he's gone <laughs> yeah it's, oh he, he turned into paper and he's gone. <laughs> uh he, he turned into paper <laughs> yeah agent smith agent smith's for a minute and then we just kind of get like a uh to barney stinson he's just like yeah you had an episode or something along those lines um he's like you i guess you're still fighting with that fake reality like that that false reality that you have or something um i don't know if he just kind of placates him a little bit or he says that you were you were trying to jump off of a building like you were drinking vodka trying to jump off a building um which didn't happen what i'm assuming um but it's about to actually that that's like I don't know if I missed something, but I I was a little tripped up by that because Jessica Henwick, Bugs, her whole thing is that she apparently witnessed that. Um, and at one point she says, you jumped, but you didn't fall. 
And I don't know what that means because I, it's never it's never actually explained. But I mean, Neo in the older movies could fly. In this film, he doesn't. He can't. I guess it's so just I, I don't know what happened there. I guess it's just him trying to get himself to go off, and like it was just so subconscious before. Like I guess he tried to do it without realizing he had done it. Now he's like consciously trying to do it. Now that it's actually in his head to do it. Spoiler alert! It does, Something like that. Spoiler alert! <laughs> it doesn't work. Also, I found a perfect Halloween costume for you or your brother. Uh, is him. He's got like like a pajama pants on with a t-shirt and then like a sports coat. Uh, I'm like, that's perfect. Like, if you need a Halloween costume, like that's you. Your brother can pull that one off easily. I mean, I think I've seen my brother wear that outfit on numerous occasions. <laughs> um, I th- I'm pretty sure he has the uh, the skull cap that be- that Keanu has in certain parts of this movie when it's cold out. Has he <laughs> has, have the, either of the two of you gone as is he Bill or Ted? Oh Ted. shit. He's uh, that's you, bud. That's all you. I don't know which one he is. <laughs> Bill or Ted. I feel like uh, that'd be a pretty easy costume to put together. And you both have long enough hair that you could easily pull that one off. You just have to shave. Oh, I- I did John Wick last year. That's pretty or good. Or this year, this most recent. Uh, it, it's a, it's pretty fucking bitch. It was good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. It was really it's, good. It's good. It was good. It's good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he tries to do his. Uh, he's like just pounding. Fo- this I actually kind of got a kick out. It was kind of funny. Him just like knocking back vodka. Is like it might work kind of thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is Keanu on the roof, yeah. by the way. Um, and he's just about to jump, and then wouldn't you know it, Bugs comes in. Or bug. I mean, the plot was too. The plot was in danger of going too fast. It was, we, we need her to push him down the the slow hallway. It was literally uh, like they had my attention. Like they were keeping my attention, and just as they were about to keep it, oh, she just yanked it right from me. Yeah, diet diet coke, diet, diet coke. coke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know not that, what I, I asked for. I know it's eight thirty, but okay, on a Friday evening. We're in a major city. It's very busy, but I asked for a <laughs> refill and I asked for Coke this time, and I think this is Diet Coke. It's fine. No, no, no. I know you're busy. I just want to let you know. Maybe the gun is mixed up. Maybe you've got the wrong label. It's not a big deal, but I thought you should know so other people don't get upset also, okay? No, thank you. Can we have some more bread? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's when you don't want to hear the, we're, we're like, the syrup's running low excuse. Oh. It's like, uh, mm, you don't want to tell me that. I will yeah. leave. <laughs> I will leave this place. <laughs> you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. Oh, I can see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll order a Mountain Dew. I'll get up to you in this bitch. <laughs> How do we get to the fucking train? I just train? I, have, I have, yeah there's a there's there's a train oh yeah there there is a train uh so yeah bugs shows up and she gives him a a, a stern talking to she's uh-huh. like hey man i seen you a long time ago you were going to jump off a building but you didn't fall i don't quite know what that means and i'm not going to tell the audience so we're just going to move on to the next scene uh so she has a door behind her that has a beam of light coming out of it and we did see this earlier in the film, where it, and and in the previous Matrix films, where if you like open certain doorways, they're like quote back doors, kind of like how a computer arranges its files and its, and its software and whatnot. So you can like teleport essentially to different parts of the Matrix. Anyway, she's like, "Hey, the Matrix is a thing. It's not just a game you made, even though that's what your your therapist keeps telling you." So you got to follow me through this door because I have a shitty tattoo of a white rabbit on my shoulder. And that's a reference to the first film. So he's like, I'm drunk. 
sure. <laughs> so yeah. he goes with her, and they appear in a, a theater, like an old-timey theater. And they're literally projecting footage of the, the first, first movie, film yeah. on the walls. Uh, and this is the same scene, essentially, oh uh, from that film. Uh, but in this film, happening concurrently. Uh, and yeah, new Morpheus is there, and he keeps saying, like, hey, you know how I told you I was Morpheus? Well, I'm still Morpheus. Maybe you should listen to me this time. And they they actually, like, verbatim use the phrase set and setting, where it's like, man, if we're going to have a trip, you got to make sure that you're in the right set and setting, Neo. <laughs> so, like, uh, they basically give him the same explanation again, that the Matrix is real. It's not just a game series that you made. Um, they also just, like, dump exposition about the current state of the world, uh, like how it apparently took them 20 years to find him, and it's been 60 years since the conclusion of the Matrix Revolutions. Uh, so they confirm that everything that happened in those first three movies did indeed happen, and we are now 60 years down the timeline from then. Um, and sh this is also where she exposits about how uh, he doesn't look like his uh, his visual representation in the Matrix differs from how he sees himself. So we, the viewer, see Keanu, but the old man that we've seen in Reflections is what the rest of the world sees, which is apparently what made it hard for them to find him. Anyway, he takes the fucking red pill. Uh, some SWAT people show up at the theater because that's what happens in these movies. Mm -hmm. um, and instead of phones, as they used in the earlier films, now we use reflective surfaces, specifically mirrors, mm -hmm. uh, to travel th like into and, and within the Matrix. Uh, so they he tries to go through a mirror, and Neil Patrick Harris is on the other side and is like trying to pull him through, uh, like urging him to stay. Uh, and they prevent that from happening somehow, and then someone shoots a rocket, and it blows them through the mirror, and yeah, they appear on a bullet train in Japan. Because why not? <laughs> because why not? That's that's honestly the only reason I can think of. I, um, but there is, there is a not-so-great action scene that happens on this train. Uh, yeah, would you call it an action scene? It tries its best. Um, the shots yeah, are way the... too tight and choppy to the point that's like, I have no fucking clue what's happening here. And mind you, seasoned action slash martial arts film viewer here. Like, I, I can follow choppy editing. This is inexcusable with a $200 million budget and probably a lot of time. Like, no, this is not how this type of stuff should be shot or edited. No, even I know the difference. Like, the, I even, I know the cinematography. Like, I know what it's, like, what a good action scene is supposed to look like. And I'm like, I can already tell Trevor's going to have nothing to say about this because this is just, it's choppy and nothing, really. From an action standpoint, you're, you're right. I have basically nothing to say There's about it. There's nothing like, to say it's, about it. it. It's totally unremarkable. Yeah, like it, it's it's fine. It's it's not it's not impressive in the least. it's, so, it's pretty by the by the numbers. I stuff. actually had that first. I might actually rewatch John Wick this week. I have that first sequence of him in his house where he's just it's dark. Everybody's just coming in. I had that sequence playing in my head over this. Like I'm just like, and then yeah, boom, boom, just bam, bam, bam. That beautiful sequence through the kitchen. And I'm just like trying to make this action. I can like comparing and contrasting a little bit. I'm like, that's a good action scene. This is not. Um, but yeah, it's. Well, I mean, the the basic rule of thumb when it comes to appeasing like hardcore like martial arts and like action fans, like if that's why you watch movies, like those kinds of people, like kind of like me, I guess. Um, the basic rule of thumb is just restrain the edit 
and whenever possible show the performer show the performer like frame them in such a way where you can see all the body mechanics that go into the beats of the choreography like john wick and also uh yuan wu ping apparently that was a like a stipulation uh in obtaining his in, in obtaining him for those matrix films was that he said i get to i get to choreograph and conduct these scenes like mm-hmm. i get command over the artistic representation of these scenes and it translates very well to the film where it's like whenever we're throwing whenever throwing hands in the matrix movies those first three the cinematography is spotless it's just like everything is clearly like in the shot it, it's it's the the edit is restrained you can see the performer from head to toe whenever whenever possible it, it has a look to it that it's kind of amazing to me that the the visual aesthetic and the language of this movie differs so drastically in that area as compared to the previous film. Do you think KR showed up like ready, like after he got the part, like we're going to do the Brazier's game. He's like, all right, uh, what do, when do we start uh, like fight choreography? He's like, like two days before shooting, like come again, like two days before, <laughs> like not like three months. We're not going to, Oh, we're not going to do that. Okay. No, it's oh, fine. This is this is one of those half-ass productions. Half. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I don't even need to like bring a towel or anything. I'm like I'm not even going to break a sweat. No. No. You're not you're not even going to break a sweat, dude. Not even a little bit. Yeah, I mean the the production cycle for those earlier Matrix films, they went to fucking boot camp. Yeah. They spent like 9 months or some shit just training and and it showed like you could not perform that choreography as ably as they all did like everybody showed up even hugo weaving yeah who talks so much shit about so many movies he's been in i love that guy but no he showed the fuck up carrie ann moss showed the fuck up even larry fucking fishburne he showed the fuck up i have to rewatch matrix one it's on hbo hbo max so i might as well just fucking watch it you you ought to i think i think it's a very good movie overall it's very focused that's like one of the big things that uh, that the girlfriend agreed with me on is that like yes it it has a it it talks at you relentlessly but it's all driving towards a, a singular goal oh dude. whereas this one and and the sequels just kind of like go off on these tangents that's like what did that contribute we we have to step on the gas a little bit because we have to get to jada Pinkett smith where the movie comes to a screeching halt uh, oh, just it okay. just stops. The movie stops okay. after this. So I'll I'll, I'll boost us along then. Yeah. So yeah, the train sequence is nothing special to write home about. So we'll just skip on past that. Uh, they exit the train via a very small mirror, which instantly and seamlessly tran- like transitions us into uh, the warm liquid, liquid goo, goo phase yeah. <laughs> of the fame of the film, which looks uh, cool once again. Which looks really cool. Yeah, I was, yeah, they did a lot of it practically, much like they did in the first film. I was listening to a podcast about this. You can guess which one. Uh, they posted an episode about it, and they kind of had to remember, like, when he comes out of the warm liquid goo, or, like, when he comes out of the Matrix, it is kind of crazy. It's just like, whoa, that was kind of crazy, that transition, because we were just in a normal world. Actually, it takes a while for you to figure out what the fuck is happening in that scene. And even watching this, like, I knew what it was, and I'm still like, okay... I, I'm going to get the scale of this thing. Like, what the fuck is going on here? And you get that again here. And so I'll give them that. The warm liquid goo face works in this. Yeah, it, it looks nice. They retain a lot of the aesthetics of the previous films. However, uh, somehow they managed to show less than they did before. 
Um, but yeah, the the general look and the general vibe is pretty similar. Uh, the color palette's a little more friendly, as we said, is kind of a theme throughout this entire film. Remember, you know, a number four is also an opportunity to begin anew. Mm. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if maybe targeting the youngsters who don't have a familiarity or as, in, or as intimate a familiarity with those older films might be the main agenda. Okay, so they get them out, they plug them in, and how much did you hate this? Like, first we get Morpheus in the white room. Again, this is Morpheus, remember? It, hey, that's him. <laughs> But the kung, uh, yeah, the kung fu this, this was frustrating. the kung fu sequence this was frustrating. I was watching this and I wrote, I wrote down I'm like I feel like I should be offended by this, but but because I don't really care about those movies, it doesn't really do anything to me. But I'm like I have a feeling that this is gonna piss some people off because I was watching it and I'm like I feel like I should be upset about this. It it's it's slightly forgivable only because of Keanu's age. Mm. Um, that's that's the only thing is that like don't do I, it. Ugh. I mean, all, all of these movies make use of doubles, but one one huge compliment you can pay to the older Matrix films is that whenever possible, they really did ask the main performers to actually just do the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps immensely in terms of how you're able to frame shots and how you're able to edit things together. This one, I, I did detect, you know, probably more doubling. But again, Keanu is not, he's not a young man. Um, and the John Wick films benefit immensely from... Uh, largely using like a Brazilian jiu-jitsu foundation. So it's a lot of contact. It's a lot of joint locks. It's a lot of throws. It's a lot of close contact where your dance partner, who's actually taking the bump on your behalf, can, can make you look really fucking good. But when you're, when you're doing like wheel kicks and like aerial shit, like if, if it's not there, it's not there. Um, So like the John Wick style of choreography in advanced age is, is a huge boon to a lot of martial arts performers on screen. Um, But this more traditional, like striking oriented stuff, like, like wide punch, like cowboy punches, like from, from downtown, like haymaker (laughs) type shit. (laughs) Um, um, And like spinning Chuck Norris wheel kicks and stuff like roundhouse type stuff. It's antiquated. Honestly, it looks weirdly out of, out of place. In, in 2021 it's like man we have come so fucking far since those matrix films like like we've had so many different eras of martial arts films since then like like the raid films really were a game changer like they invented splatter foo um and they really emphasized like contact but th- this feels like throwback shit and not only that it's like far less impressive or ambitious than even the first matrix film uh, and yeah, the, the sequence is nothing to write home about. It's basically well, New Morpheus just beating the fucking shit out of him, apparently to save his life. Yeah, uh, be, yeah, to resuscitate him because apparently when they pulled him out of the matrix, his brain uh, treats it like a drug that it's addicted to. <laughs> he, he went full. <laughs> he went full simple Jack. <laughs> basically, <laughs> he went too deep into character. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, I was I was oh. thinking like it's kind of like uh, South Park. It's like he he went full shit bucket. Yeah, or it's like he was in the game too long and he he filled his shit bucket. <laughs> the only scene I know that I've watched from The Matrix and I know vividly is this scene. And I think by doing this scene over again for me as a kid, the novelty of it, I have never seen wire work before. That's what that that's what that is. And this is just like yeah, fuck that. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna bring that back, but it just seems like it's an iconic moment in the film that's not 
CGI. It's not like the CGI part of the film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was it was a closed set with walls and a ceiling. This time it's like open air, kind mm-hmm. of like set in a lake, and there's a lot of CGI like green screened in backgrounds. It's very gaudy from mm-hmm. a visual standpoint. And I mentioned about the music, like the the music was a huge part of what made that sequence in the first film work. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's a kick-ass arrangement that just plays into the visuals and the editing so well but this is just pretty flat Um, and basically all that happens is we learn that because Keanu is nearing 60 years of age and he can't do the same style of kung fu like wire work type shit that we had him doing in those older movies uh, we'll lean on CGI and force powers. Mm, yes. Um, oh, thank you. To, thank in you. In order to get him through the action scenes. <laughs> I, I was, I literally, I'm like, I don't even need to write it down. Force powers. That's what he does. It's literally force powers the rest of the movie. By the way, I will be watching Kill Bill 1 and 2 uh, within the next 72 hours. <laughs> that is happening. Good, uh, you, good times. Well, because you're talking about the closed set. I'm just like the, 88, the crazy 88. I'm like, I have to watch that sequence now. So I have to watch both of those films um yeah, pay attention to the the music when they first show up at that place at that location okay there's an awesome walking montage where you get a tour of the whole set mm-hmm. it's a composition by uh, tomoyasu hotei that uh fucking kick ass <laughs> i will be watching that don't worry i can't wait um but okay so here we go kung fu uh he explodes morpheus like back to the sun basically um and he's okay though he he's, fine. Right. he's fine he's <laughs> fine um neo's back so he's just like i've i'm back now uh, i'm tired and she's like yeah you'll be fuzzy for a little bit you're back now and then i like to describe this as horse shit with other folks where we meet the rest of the crew of whatever the fuck this is this is again this is that moment where it's like these are characters in the movie and like no it's not like they're even less characters than bugs yeah, this is the Scooby Squad that uh, basically they're just, I don't know. One dude's like... like Pick pick your fetish or whatever. One <laughs> dude's like... got... What's that Google... that What was that thing that they had? The computer that... Like Google Glasses or some shit like that? Do you remember that? It was like... They... Yeah, yeah. He has he has a scouter from Dragon Ball Z. There you basically. go. There you go. <laughs> uh, the, the, one, the one lens. Yeah, he's... Um, he's... He... He's the operator. He's the operator. He's a, a bit of a Neo fanboy. But then we get one dude, and this was the ultimate pat on the back uh, <laughs> for the director. It was just like, yeah, I'm just like a huge like Neo fanboy. You know, you guys are like just really awesome. Um, I don't know why that was bothering the shit out of me in this movie. It was them like talking about how great Neo was and what's her face, uh, Carrie Ann Moss. They got it. There we go. <laughs> So. Yeah, it, it's a weird phenomenon in uh, this this wave of like attachments to to pre existing franchises. Like, it's hard to call them continuations. It, it's just like slapping on like just a vestigial something or other. Like, I was I was telling you this about the uh, the Resident Evil movie, the Welcome to Raccoon City movie. Awesome movie. Where it's yeah. like everything is referenced, but everything is wrong. And I've noticed this this growing trend where a lot of times you see this where I don't think the people making the product quite know what references are valued by whom mm-hmm. or by how many people. So they just throw, throw it, things yeah. in there and hope for the best. Because I was, I was pointing out to you that like the level of detail in making sure that that hamburger looked exactly like the hamburger from Resident Evil 2 Remake yeah. was like 
who the fuck cares? <laughs> but but it's somebody out there that would actually like boost the reputation of the film in their mind. And the same thing could be said with this film, where we have a reference to quote Dozer's paint stripper. That's like a a throwaway line of dialogue about Joe Pantoliano's booze in the first film. Who the fuck cares? But somebody out there does, so they just throw it in there and they keep throwing things in there and just hoping for the fucking best. The the rare steak. That's that's a nod. That that's a worthy yes, nod. Yes, that is a, that is a nod as well. And but, yeah, that's a slightly more worthy one. It's a worthy one because it's a moment. I do know that that's the moment when he's like basically betraying everybody. I'm like, that's something to point back to, but it has no significance in the film, really. It kind of does because that's during the montage where Keon, where Thomas Anderson is like steeped in the Matrix, where it's like that whole montage of him popping pills and just being caught uh, in the eternal okay. cycle. Okay, where it's like that's him like fully being in the Matrix as much as like as hardcore as possible. Just pick like three. Just pick three significant ones and just go with that. Don't just keep. They just just anyway. <laughs> just, 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 but, just, but like one major thing that's important to note during this introduction of the Scooby Squad, who, as Kyle has noted, I I cannot be bothered to care about any of these quote characters. Um, they were very smart in that first Matrix film with how they handled the Scooby Squad in that one. Kill everybody. Like, that's how you do it. Yes. Kill everybody. Like, you eliminate the chaff. It's like you don't matter. You don't matter. You slightly matter because your wardrobe is different from everyone else, but you're dead too. Is that the <laughs> like it or not? You're still gonna burn. Yeah, <laughs> that's Tank. Who uh, apparently that actor was not welcome back for the rest of the franchise. Mm. He was intended to be in the sequels, but apparently asked for too much money. Oh, uh, so his character his character was written out uh, via dialogue. Like apparently he died off screen for reasons unknown, and yeah. he was replaced by a uh, Mercutio from the the romeo and juliet movie were, from the night were they like were they like uh i would like more money for this oh so let me tell me about your uh, computer setup what's your pc look like what kind of modem do you have like oh wait you don't oh you don't have a computer then why the fuck would we give you more money get the fuck out <laughs> well i mean they they call it they call that terrence howarding yourself oh yeah <laughs> next time baby <laughs> or not nope <laughs> Um, the, the important thing I wanted to note, though, during the uh, introduction of the Scooby Squad is th- this is where they also introduce what should have been maybe the strongest concept of the story, but they decide not to go. Like, they just decide not to care. Yeah. Like, they really they threw it in there. It's interesting, actually. It's legitimately interesting, but the movie has no time for it. Um, apparently, the way they retrieved Keanu was uh, very similar to how we got the new Morpheus uh, machines and programs are rebelling against the like machine mainframe, the the main AI construct, and so you have these sentient robots hanging out with 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 the people, like the re- people in reality, removed from the matrix. So they they actually had a sentient robot who looks evil as shit, <laughs> but is not. Um, actually go into the machine world, like the machine city, and retrieve Keanu, and they are denizens on the ship i figured it and out. they're they're actually supposed to be characters it's a really cool idea actually that we actually are trying to harmonize with the machines but it's only a it's like a minority population rather than all the machines i get it now i get why these movies don't do anything for me it's that it doesn't like it's kind of like skynet except it's an illusion and not an extermination of humankind it's just like 
I prefer the Terminator way. Like, this is, it's just kind of a different setup. Yeah, well, the Terminator setup is simpler in a way that is makes for more entertaining storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because the Matrix's world has complications to it that truthfully make for, like, an unresolvable story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like there, oh, yeah. There, is, there is no way to conclude this story, honestly, because all the people who are still in the Matrix... You can't free them. Mm -mm. Uh, How are you going to feed them? Like it's like, and if you freed all of them, the robot, the machines wouldn't have a food source anymore. uh, So they're not going to be cool with that. So basically, this this idea that is so callously just like tossed into this movie should have been like the thesis of the whole story. But instead, no, we just went with the you know rescue Princess Toadstool from the castle. (laughs) Have have we gotten to Niobe? Niobe. Yes, we we've gotten to the new city, which is called Io, not Zion. Um, we don't really know what happened to Zion, other than it's no longer called Zion, and it has a different philosophy. In that we're no longer fighting the machines, we're existing parallel to them. Which is and Niobe is introduced back into the film in the form of a uh, old age makeup to Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes, uh, she doesn't really like Neo. I don't really know why. Um, she, he gets there. Now, mind you, most of this movie's been talking, and we just got through with some talking, and now we meet Niobe, and Neo comes in, and she says, quote, unquote, we need to talk. Fuck, dude. Like, now when a character says we need to talk, you know it's going to be a good ten minutes. (laughs) Just, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. This is where you get the background, like, this is iota or whatever the fuck not zion uh and basically she's just like we're living peacefully here i don't want you going to get her because i don't want this place being messed up somehow that might do that and so he's just like so you're gonna put me in prison also there's fruit i don't know what that has to do with anything again this is what i was bitching about earlier is that i don't i don't know why this is why this here um the important thing is is just the beginning of that conversation is that she makes it known to him that hey this is a new city not the old city it's better than the old city trust me yeah even though we're not going to show you it <laughs> yeah not in this movie this is better. Wait, wait for the series wait for the hbo max series then you'll get to see it yeah seriously um, or wait for the wait for the uh accounting books to come in wait for the numbers to roll then oh then we'll see where we yeah go. aren't there like there are comics and video games of this that actually piece together the other two movies isn't there yeah, that Enter the Matrix game that you and I mentioned has like footage, like live action cutscenes in it featuring Jada Pinkett Smith specifically and Roy Jones Jr. Uh, oh. It was kind of a big deal at the time and is in The Matrix Reloaded. Um, yeah, they did have like supplements uh, to those movies. Okay. Um, and yeah, there was an online computer game as well. There's also a Neo-focused game. There have been a handful of Matrix games what? and comics and novels and stuff. Interesting idea. That's fine. Um, yeah, and I I understand everything that she's saying here is that at the conclusion of the Matrix Revolutions, what I was alluding to by saying that this is a story that has no end is that the end of the Matrix Revolutions is peace, but all the people who are still in the Matrix are still in the Matrix. Yeah. Only the only major difference is that Zion was not destroyed as it normally is, so all the people who are currently living in Zion are just free to exist. Uh, so apparently during this time of peace, Niobe and 
uh, I guess uh, Morpheus was installed as like the governor at some point. They took control. They renamed the city. Uh, they managed it in peacetime. And it's never explicitly stated, but I get the sense that maybe like going into the Matrix is not a thing like not a thing anymore like like bugs going into the matrix on the regular is like not a cool thing because i would imagine that that could be like that could potentially instigate conflict with the machines again that makes sense or it's like the reason why she's why why niobe is mad at neo like why she doesn't want him there is because holy shit you're kind of a big deal and the machines are going to know that you're missing from the matrix so like we don't want that because it might it might start up fighting again Kyle has his hand up. Okay. So uh, this was a looming question that I had, and I kind of just had to keep batting away because I didn't know how to answer it, (laughs) was, well, two things. One, why did they – as soon as I asked this, like, out loud, I'm like, why are they helping him? Almost immediately, they're like, we're only here because of you. That's kind of like why we're helping you with this. I'm like, okay. Was So he was definitely unplucked, and – from the Matrix, okay? But he could go in and out after that. So at the end of the third one, he was completely unplugged, but then we start this movie, he's plugged back in. So then I'm like, did they plug him back in? But it gets explained later. But did you have this same frustration while you were watching this? There's there is some there is some crazy horseshit that happens in this movie, Kyle, that's like Squeeze oh. me? Yeah, no, no, no. Baking powder? <laughs> when when the movie is like, okay, now we're okay, now we're picking back up again. The movie movie literally goes, no, we're gonna stop now, <laughs> and we're gonna explain that we're gonna answer the question that you, the viewer, had this entire time. And yeah, was this the moment you were like, I'm sorry, what? Well, it's like one of those things where it's like they explain it, but they do it in such a casual fashion that it's like. I, 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 uh, yeah. <laughs> like like no just you can't babe. just yeah you can't just like throw that out there you need to like maybe linger on that a little bit that's kind of a big deal i know we're going on two and a half hours with this runtime but maybe spend about four minutes explaining that like how did yeah. you piece a human being back together that is a man's head <laughs> <laughs> he just like I've never seen anything like it. Like, no, we made meat. We actually made meat. Yeah, yeah. They they made a pea protein Keanu, and they didn't really go in much further into it than that. And made gave him the exact same synapses, all the same wiring as before. It's pretty. I mean, it's pretty it, incredible. Kyle, Kyle, you need to understand <laughs> this conversation is not being held between uh, you know an, an atypically young looking like. Keanu Reeves and Niobe, it's a pea protein and tofu man talking to an old old computer lady. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll we'll get to that probably in slightly more detail than the movie cares to. But um, yeah, uh, when they're at IO, uh, Keanu is pretty much instantly imprisoned, as Kyle had mentioned. So we're not going to go into a whole lot of detail there. And ten seconds later. Uh, he's spirited away by new Morpheus, who, by the way, can manifest in the real world via like a collection of magnetized metal bits. It's actually that. kind of a neat look. It's 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 one of the new Terminator movies. I don't remember which one, but he does kind of the same thing. Yeah, the uh, the Aussie or the yeah. Kiwi guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Genesis, uh, 
yeah, not sure that, that I'm not sure that narrows it down for any of the movies three and three and beyond. There's an Aussie in it. Yeah, oh, yeah. Really? I mean, Jai Courtney, Jai Courtney counts as an Aussie too. Like, I mean, it's just Hollywood productions in general these days. It's, yeah. it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find one without an Aussie. Um, uh, and a lot of them being shot over there now too. I was actually going to ask you. So I was watching this uh, when I remember watching when The Matrix came out. I always thought that Carrie Ann Moss was British. I don't know why I had it in my mind that she just looked British to me and she was doing an American accent. And then I saw her in an interview. I'm like, holy shit, she's American. I'm the opposite with uh, Gillian Anderson. Oh, I like, okay. I, I, I thought she was American. She covers her accent quite quite well, yeah. quite capably. I've seen her play trailer trash, and she did that pretty well, too. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, I think it was, what, The Mighty? Um but yeah, uh, they spirit Keanu away. Wait, so Jillian Anderson's uh, American? She's American? She is? Yeah. She's born in Chicago. Oh, shit. <laughs> Holy shit. She convinced, me, she convinced me she was British. Wow, she's a good actress. Oh, dude, that's funny. <laughs> no, she, I'm, I'm serious. Like, I, I had a moment where I was like, I think she might actually be British. And now apparently she's not. Well, she's a good actress, apparently, is what she is. Do you remember where you were the day you found out that Christian Bale was an American? Like, that blew that blew my hat off when I figured that out. Uh, I think Reign of Fire kind of hammered that home for me. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Well, I didn't piece yeah. that together. I'd seen American Psycho, that, and then the Batman movie before I went back to like Before I realized, oh, he was in Reign of Fire. I mean, all is forgiven because I, I always remember um, the promotional tour for Batman. He was still doing the Bruce Wayne voice, mm. um, which fooled that's, a lot of people. That's what it was. Maybe that's what it was. No, he was doing interviews, like just casual interviews on couches and stuff as Bruce Wayne. Gotcha. It's like, oh, shit. He, he's very British. Um, anyway. But yeah, uh, they uh, they go back into the Matrix, and this is where the movie turns into Unwatchable. a bunch of hot young people trying to help an old man get laid. Yeah. That's the plot. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- I don't know why these young, these hot young people are so thoroughly invested in helping this old man get laid. It makes no... They, fun. Really, they really care. This like, is... They really care. This is serious shit, too. It's like, they don't know this, dude. They busted him out, quote-unquote, because they, they're they there because of him. Like, I guess he saved their lives or whatever. So, like, we're going to go bust his girlfriend out. Fucking the general is not having this shit. She's like, absolutely not. And they immediately bust him out and go do this. This whole sequence is an absolute waste of time. Like nothing. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some meta commentary shit going on here that's like really subtle. Mm. Like, like I don't think this oh, is. True, somebody's gonna bear, bear with. Me. Somebody's gonna bear write. Somebody's gonna write an article about this in like a year, and they're just gonna like we're gonna like just eat shit because we're like oh man, I didn't see all that. But anyway, please. Uh, the Matrix Resurrections is so much deeper than you thought. Yeah. Like, it's underappreciated. <laughs> it's, underappreciated. <laughs> it's so underappreciated. It's a hidden gem. It's a two hundred million dollar hidden gem. <laughs> um, so bear with me here, though, Kyle. So we have an older lady, the matriarch, if you will, of of the franchise or the city who's like go away neo we don't need you yeah we've moved past you we don't need you anymore yes i.e the matrix Mm -hmm. and then we have all these young people some of whom have even talked directly into the fucking camera saying how much they're a fan of him Mm -hmm. and how much they love him and how invested they are in him and his affairs and his story they drag him forcibly mm. <laughs> off to continue the story yeah while the old lady with the big hair much like Anna wachowski is just like 
these fucking kids, they're going to start shit up again. <laughs> that is... It's not a good idea. I keep telling them, but these fucking kids. <laughs> that is interesting. Maybe this was just like, no, the producers just took it away from, like, they just took it away. So this might actually be something subtle in there. Yeah, you might be right. It's, I mean, it's it's documented, actually. Like, it's known that there were plans to move forward with this film. Not necessarily the whole franchise, like multiple films or something, but this film in particular, apparently if Lana Wachowski or Al Wachowski didn't step up to the plate really? to direct it, it was going to get made. Oof, that's um, tough. Lana Wachowski has gone on record saying that they that she did have, like, she wrote the script, like, and she does take ownership of the film, so hasn't like completely said like groaned and said like oh i had to do it otherwise like it wasn't like totally a a peter jackson and the hobbit films where it's like well guillermo couldn't do it Mm. so i guess somebody's got to make the hobbit films i I guess guess it's gonna be be peach (laughs) i guess i get to lose the next 10 fucking years of my life to these fucking hobbits (laughs) just saying guillermo del toro's the hobbit oh Mm. even i would have been very interested to see that I, and i'm not a huge fan of the franchise i think that most people have hearing those two together be like yes just whatever that whatever that is just let me see what that is um <laughs> diet coke diet coke <laughs> <laughs> no that's what we got with the hobby diet coke no it went uh, yeah it went uh, uh uh diet dr pepper which tastes a lot like regular dr pepper from the first movie and then you get diet coke and then diet right or yeah, just so something along those lines. For the tab, <laughs> a tab from the eighties. Uh. <laughs> yeah, okay. so a tab from Dad's garage. <laughs> okay, so this gets a little this gets a little confusing because we do get we get the agent smithening, and then we get that fucking French guy. I do know who the French guy is, and that's where I was like, okay, now I feel like I should be offended. Why the fuck is he here? Uh, he's there to provide, like, really explicit meta commentary. Because all the things he's droning on about, a lot of it's, like, French stuff that I can't understand. Even the subtitles, they didn't bother to translate. Um, thanks, HBO Max. <laughs> but, um, a lot of what he's saying, it's difficult to decipher. But, like, if you actually read the subtitles, he's just bitching about the state of the world. Like, he's like, we had grace and decorum and, and things were better i.e. movies were better in the 90s or in the 2000s than they are today and he he doesn't use the words facebook or like twitter <laughs> but he does he does allude to them yeah uh, so basically he's i think just there to stand he's a a mouthpiece for probably the director's commentary to some extent but his goon squad uh are a direct reference to the sequels um and the video game and the enter the matrix game they're called exiles and they're supposed to be like computer programs that uh, basically they're like werewolves or ghosts or like fish people. Like basically just like aberrations that behave atypical to like human beings. And in like the Matrix Reloaded and in the game, like you had to kill them with like silver bullets and stuff. It's like a throwaway line of dialogue in this movie, but it's it's a weird reference to just throw in there. Um, I don't know which movie it was, but the, the two ghost twins, whatever it was, were, did they work for the French guy? Yeah, okay. Uh, they were in Reloaded, and yes, they were part of his goon squad. Say what you will about those movies, people who don't like them, the character design of those guys did catch my eye. They were hard to miss, really. Oh, I mean, all the costuming and the set design in, in Reloaded and Revolutions is excellent. 
Okay. Like the chateau sequence in in Reloaded, that's fucking awesome, man. Like I I and I I keep saying this about those movies. It's like there's certain images and and moments in those movies that you you just don't find in other movies. Like in that chateau sequence, you have like a you have a moment where there are like four different people on wire rigs moving in concert with each other in in this massive chateau set that they make Every, like they make use of every square fucking foot of that. It's really impressive stuff. Okay. Unlike the action scene that we get here, it's, <laughs> it's absolute garbage. Uh, nothing happens. Then we have the Agent Smith chat fight, as I like to call it, uh, which <laughs> cat fight chat, <laughs> chat fight, where Agent Smith has to talk and Neo has. It's like it's just force pushing the whole time. Where it's force pushing, force bullet stopping, force push, and I think he kicks his nuts out of the room or something. I don't know. <laughs> It's it's a lot of above the waist like choreography. It's a lot of it's a lot of this, not a whole lot of hip action. Trevor, we're not even to nipple level. It's literally like it's yeah. The, the frame the framing. Kyle's absolutely right. The the framing of a lot of these shots is too tight, like to the point that's like some of the stuff actually probably was intricately choreographed. But if you don't shoot it right, it's not going to look Dude, right. It's like and yeah. There's a lot of that going on. It's like Silence of the Lambs. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> It's just, just heads right there. <laughs> just heads floating in just, space, staring into your soul. You just see like like the top half inch of a finger, like kind of pop up every once in a while. Ah, oh, he he wouldn't have been up for it because his acting method isn't isn't suited for it. But Sir Anthony Hopkins doing a martial arts movie. Mm. Oh, I, w- I would have paid so much money to see that. I was about to say Ray Fiennes, but you're about to get it in that new Kingsman movie, basically. That Kingsman movie that was shot in like 2018 or some shit. Jesus, that needs. Oh, oh, really? Oh, god. It's been sitting on a shelf for a while. I think they need. Um, I've seen the other two of those movies. Jesus, just burn that. For I don't know why that's a friend. I don't get it. Well, I mean, Ray Fiennes doing martial arts is something I I would take pleasure in in watching. Um, and Matthew Vaughn is the same director for all of them and he does have an affinity for action choreography he does pretty good work in that first kingsman movie and i've seen a couple of clips of the second one uh, i haven't seen the whole thing but you know so it, that's like a red box movie for me so <laughs> i i'm not really a sucker for the reunion things is the the reunion things um uh, my partner is she, she usually goes for those but they did a harry potter one on hbo max now trevor it is worth you watching those movies just in general because they're a lot of fun um, but it's worth you watching them so that you can watch that because there's just one little sequence with Gary Oldman talking with uh, uh, Daniel Ratcliffe and they're talking about um, Alan Rickman. It it really just, you won't understand it if you haven't seen the movies, but it's worth just, you need that little bit. You need that little little clip in your life because it's, it's fantastic. Gary Oldman just laughing his ass off his really great i'm sure that's still like no it it it's such a genuine him laughing his ass off i'm like oh i wanted to send it to you but i'm like he's not gonna get it he's gotta watch seven movies before he can get to it yeah it's gonna be a minute before i can fully enjoy that before i can like understand that on as many layers as you do that's true (laughs) but maybe someday yeah maybe um but yeah we have our chat fight um so mind you we are constantly cutting back and forth between the scooby squad uh, the young virile Scooby Squad fighting people. Yeah, whatever the fuck. It's shot so tight and chopped together so bad. It's, bore, it's like Borafil, dude. Borafil. It, it <laughs> it's Borafil. It's Borafil. Uh, 
<laughs> it sucks too because I've seen uh I've seen like behind the scenes like pre visualization of the choreography of some of this stuff. And I actually got to see Jessica Henwick with, with like pads and stuff doing some of these beats, but but the way it was pre visualized was like shot correctly and such that I couldn't find those steps in the choreography in the finished product. It was very disappointing. Anyway, the the chat fight is very long and it's like I said, it's mostly just arm action. Mm-hmm. Like like we I'm sorry, Keanu's approaching sixty those hips ain't what they used to be, man. Like, like, like they're they're good for locking in tight, not for high kicking. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. He can do some kettlebell um, swings, but yeah, he's not kicking. Yeah, and to his credit, Jonathan Groff seems like a pretty fit guy. He seems pretty limber. He he keeps up. In fact, he makes Keanu look pretty good from time to time. Like he's an able dance partner. Only problem is, uh, the dancing is only as good as the choreography, which is just not there. Um, and the dialogue here is is pointless mostly um really all i got and this is where i was starting to get fucking pissed at the movie was like i was trying to figure out why smith is here because the whole concept of character in the older movies in the in the second and the third movie was that (laughs) something from you imprinted onto me and was copied (laughs) basically he's like supposed to be neo's shadow to some extent which it does make sense as to why he's here as well, where it's like if he's his shadow and he was also free of the Matrix, it stands to reason if Neo is brought back free of the Matrix again, maybe Smith would come with him. But his agenda, he he tells Keanu, get out of the Matrix so I can shoot Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. And that's 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 all we get from that. It's like that's that's all he asks for. And from there, we go to this five-minute chat fight in a basement somewhere and it's like why are we doing this <laughs> like like just leave yeah. <laughs> like you're you're honestly your objectives don't align yeah. just just go do what you're here to do he he's here for the gal yeah. he's here for trinity get the fuck out of um, his way so he can help you i guess like yeah and and they they do some sort of thing where they're i don't know they're I'm sure Tumblr is having a a, a field day with, with these two actors and this dialogue because there's a lot of sexual tension uh, between the two of them that wasn't really apparent in the other version of the character pairing. But anyway, uh, Jonathan Groff gets force pushed through a wall, and uh, Jessica Henwick takes Keanu to go see Trinity in her uh, motorcycle uh, shop. Yeah. So she builds bikes. She builds motorcycles. Yes. So they're sitting there having a conversation, and she's just like, "Oh, I haven't seen you for a while," uh, but she's definitely like, she's definitely feeling more like she's getting that itch. Also, like there's a glitch kind of thing, um, but it's not apparent. But it seems like the movie's about to continue moving after we've just spent five minutes in the basement to when Barney Stinson just pops up. He just he just just completely pops up out of nowhere. And stops the movie dead to talk for about. Not only that, he rewinds it. <laughs> he talks and rewinds it, and this is where I'm like, he's sitting, he's just sitting there talking, talk, 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 talk. And I thought maybe it was going over my head, and I'm like, this was, this must be what it feels like to be stoned in a Chris Nolan pitch meeting, like him explaining the movie, but you didn't realize it was that day, and you got baked in the parking lot. And you're like, okay, now just can you explain it to me one more time? Because he's literally just, just talk, 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 and, and then I got. Political subtext, real quick, and then talk, 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 and then that's it. That was the whole scene. 
Yeah, this is supposed to be the big like curtain being pulled back moment, dun, dun, and it's dun. and the music here is just driving me nuts because again, it's doing that. It's doing that like Dark Knight Rises, not Dark Knight, or it's it's like the beginning chords of of Bane's theme, where it's like do 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 do. It's it's like it's all it is is Neil Patrick Harris just speechifying, and as Kyle had said, there's some political commentary in here about feelings over facts yeah. uh, when it comes to managing a uh, a more accepted version of the matrix because apparently this is a constant thing with every iteration of the matrix is that some people just reject the programming and uh, are just kicked out of the matrix essentially and apparently his current iteration of it favors feelings over facts because you people believe the craziest shit I think is what he says and it results in better numbers in terms of keeping people in the matrix uh he also emphasizes like suffering and depression and things like that as a means of shackling people to the matrix more securely um and then this is where i was get like i was like oh no it's a warner brothers movie and i was like oh no this is hancock <laughs> like did you get did you notice that kyle no but i have seen have that you seen all, oh i've seen hancock well do you do you remember the whole deal with charlie theron and and will smith yeah where it's like the whole world needs to keep them apart from each other, otherwise yeah. they'll like yeah. power bang and the whole planet will blow up or whatever. <laughs> yeah, they're just the power too bang. They just can't, <laughs> they just can't be close to each other. They're just too hot. They're too toxic. <laughs> yeah, they're they're too toxic together. <laughs> yeah, and so that's kind of the arrangement here is that like Neil Patrick Harris reveals himself to be quote the analyst uh, better than the architect. So it, I. I hate this Kyle. <laughs> I hate this so fucking much. So Kyle, the the example I always call back to is you remember when Jurassic Park three came out? Yeah. You remember how like people were okay with that movie, but nobody loves it for the most part. Yeah. Well, like you see this happen in blockbuster sequels a lot. Like a lot a lot. Where it's like they try to push forward the new the new hotness. Mm-hmm. And to to like amp up the new hotness, they have to shit all over the old one, old so and like busted. Yeah, that, so, <laughs> old and busted. I, thank you, yeah. thank thank you, you thank you for completing the reference. Yeah. Um, the Spinosaurus killing the T Rex, yeah, to me is like the prototypical example of taking a gamble on the new hotness and n- failing to recognize. You know what? A lot of people really were emotionally invested in that T Rex, mm-hmm. and you just shat all over them. Um, you see, all, you saw that in the Independence Day sequel, where it's like, "Oh, it's a bigger ship." You remember it's not just anything from that Independence Day sequel. I'm in, colored me impressed. I remember Judd Hirsch doesn't die in it. <laughs> it made me happy. He rides a boat with orphans, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah. yeah, and there's a school bus as well at the end. That's a lot of stupid. That movie fucking sucks. You'll forget um, Jeff Goldblum is in that movie. Yes, you will. Absolutely. Um, and on top of that, you also had like uh, even uh, the Force Awakens. It's not just it's not just the Death Star. It's so much bigger than the Death Star. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, it's not just the architect. It's the analyst. <laughs> the Force Awakens. I did think that was kind of cool how they turned a whole planet into a gun. I'm like, okay, that's kind of bitching. I'll give you that. It's. I did. I did think it was ballsy blowing up like five planets in ten seconds. That was too was much. Like, oh, that, I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> that was too much. Yes, I agree. I I do respect that film for having something like that, and then 
kind of dismissing it like as a threat in favor of the characters. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what's more important to the movie? It's it's the characters. I, it's it's Ray and Kylo Ren and Finn in, in the snow and stuff. It's like Star Killer Base. You know that'll take care of itself. The characters, though, we need more time with them. I only have one little tiny gripe with that movie, and it's a very minor thing. Uh, it's literally just uh, Ray knowing how to do the Jedi mind trick. That's the only problem I have. Was just her like just kind of stumbling on it by herself. Like you will let me out of my like you will let me out of my chair, basically. It just it didn't it just seemed really strange. It's like she didn't know how to do that. She just knew how to do it. That's my only gripe. It's it, it's a pretty intricate trick to pull out of your ass, but <clears throat> I I don't know if I have any gripes. I just thought it was fine. I just I'm like <laughs> the only gripe I have is like it could you just could have easily gone like she could have just accidentally just stumbled on it where she's like what are you doing? Oh, they're putting like what are you doing? Or strapping you to the chair? Don't strap me to the chair. And she's just like I won't strap you to the chair. It's like oh. What the fuck did I just do? Like she just kind of. I mean, if it if it was a a Marvel movie, I mean, I know it's basically the same studio, but if it was a Marvel movie, they would have like an Abbott Costello like back and forth kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah, touch your nose, like hop on one leg or some some stupid horse. I hear Joss Whedon's getting really hands on. Should be great. (laughs) (laughs) I have to send you that. It's 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 a joke from Community. The Russo brothers, so it's just, it's fucking, it's a brilliant joke. You would really love it. Uh, that, that's, that's fun. Oh. Uh, it's like, wow, wait, way to shit where you eat, though. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think maybe by the time the Russos were getting in there, Joss Whedon wasn't super hands-on. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we, we got off there. Sorry. Yeah, it happens. But, um, yeah, Neil Patrick Harris uh, exposits a whole bunch about the current state of the matrix and the big reveal here is so so stupid and and like loosely defined that it's it's vexing Uh, so what he says here is basically we we have a new matrix governed by him and it's doing really well and part of the reason it's doing so well is that they have two extra super duper special power generators in the form of matrix in, in the form of neo and trinity in that tower that we saw them both suspended in. we did see trinity in the liquid hot goo earlier by the way uh just across from keanu um so apparently the the idea here is that keeping them alive within the matrix and in constant agony because they're not able to have an emotional connection to each other contributes energy to the machine it's monster zinc it's like monster zinc logic it's like we scare the kids yeah. we take their screens yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. our power stuff yeah 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 it's like hey hey machines you ever you ever try making these people laugh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better than so much turning better. them into liquid batteries yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah uh kyle i need to ask the uh the special the effect that they put on Neil Patrick Harris during the sequence. Did that drive you nuts as much as it did me? You know, I was really, really checking <laughs> out during this part. Like, I was just kind of listening. Okay. I was just trying to kind of pay attention to what he was saying. Like, what's okay. what, what's he actually trying to say right now? Which is, again, speechify. Nothing. It's very little. It's a lot of words to say very little. But um, the reason why I wanted to focus on this for a second is because you and I have both talked about how much we hate this effect. This is this is that uh, strobe effect that you see in, a, I think it was in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, I know yes! It. Dude, it happens a few times in this movie. What the fuck? What was that? <laughs> how? 
do you fuck that up? I, I was actually like baffled that that happened. Like I had was having Lord of the Rings like flashbacks with that. I'm like, what what are you doing with this? This is insane. Yeah, Peter Peter Jackson also used that during the uh, like the attack with the villagers in a his King Kong movie. Uh, that's how I knew it was definitely in one of the Lord of the Rings movies. But yeah, this this choppy, like choppy keyword, uh, strobe effect. Uh, it's not slow motion. It's just like dropped frames. Yeah, it looks by definition. I think it just looks cheap. Um, in your two hundred million dollar movie, did all the money go? They didn't build. Any I don't know because this, this movie doesn't. It this movie doesn't look it unless inflation has gotten really fucking out of control in the past two years. I mean, honestly, it may have. <laughs> like, it costs a lot to live in California. I'd say most of these people do. Like, a ten million had to go to Keanu just so he could, <laughs> just so he could keep payments up. Jeez, I did see that like half a million dollars had to go to the city of San Francisco for a like filming location or something. Of course, uh, like, and that's that's not like paying for the filming location that's like paying the local authorities like the the cops or the local police department anybody visiting any major city on the west coast you have to buy or actually any major city in the u.s you have to buy a cup of coffee if you want to take a piss so yeah (laughs) well said sir well said um Um, but yeah long story short um he does not leave with trinity (laughs) (laughs) but that's the perfect long story short (laughs) <laughs> they did not the climb longest the fucking story short <laughs> the nazis didn't climb the mountain uh, <laughs> so here's the- that's, a, that's a call back to a very good episode folks north face check it out excellent movie um this is the crazy editing like the speed editing so they pull him out of there we get in front of jada pika smith she's eating ass and then fucking a bird this is i do have it written down the bird thing pops up and then we're talking to jonah like the jonas brothers wife but she's just like standing behind a well like she's just kind of just stand almost like a video game just like like a 90s role-playing game just like oh hi welcome to she she is in, she is in the elder scrolls she is in yeah. oblivion yeah. <laughs> not you. not even skyrim she is in oblivion she's she like i'm i'm surprised the camera didn't like train on her face and zoom in and her just say halt yeah you <laughs> is this the right one no 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 you have to go over to the other one no. Uh, Keanu tries to pickpocket her. <laughs> yes. So basically, ah. this is where, this is where the mask, the quote unquote master plan comes together. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you could pay attention to what happens in the next five minutes after paying attention to what just happened with Neil Patrick Harris, you deserve an award of some kind. Like something good should come your way because I couldn't tell you I. I could not be bought. I feel like I just ran a mile and somebody was like trying to explain math to me. Like that nothing's going in right now. <laughs> I had to pause. Yeah, I actually um, had to pause and take a break. I was talking to Stefan. Like there's like 40 minutes of this movie. Like I got to pause and walk away and come back. I hate to say it, but like if you're going to play to the cheap seats, this is where you hit the deploy action scene button mm-hmm. in your edit, because this is how you maintain people's attention spans. You you can't sandwich you can't just wedge in a chat fight, uh, a Neil Patrick Harris ten minute exposition dump, and then Jonas Brothers wife <laughs> in the fantasy world. You can't have all that back to back to back. That's just oh yeah. And by the way, there's a mechanical bird creature that just showed up. Dude, <laughs> just showed the fuck up. <laughs> you need to insert something in there to give someone give us some breathing room. Yes. You know? 
some wiggle room or some levity for that matter this movie is seriously lacking in that department well, that was what was pointed out about the other two like like these movies in general it's just like the fucking world that they have to live in is just so dreary and sad and sucks it's like why would you even want to be in there in the first place but yeah now we as the viewers are stuck in it too <laughs> um but actually what what you you've been alluding to here uh the priyanka chopra jonas there's a hyphen in there by yeah, the way yeah. now nowadays anyway um, <laughs> uh those those scenes the way they're constructed are actually one of the things that worries me uh potentially the most uh, in terms of like technological uh updates in in the world of cinema uh, so there's there's the Grand Moff Tarkin effect mm-hmm. where where we can just create digital people now, yeah. somewhat convincingly. It, de- it depends on which studio and and and, and the you know resources they have. Um, but the thing that makes me nervous is scenes like this where it's very clearly shot entirely on a green screen, and we have a lot of shots of just individual people who, because of the wonders of technology, don't actually have to be on the same set together oh, yeah. on the same day anymore. Like, yeah. think about uh, Captain America's Civil War. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson was basically alone on her side of the battlefield because all those characters are represented by CGI, and thus their characters, unless Iron Man has his helmet open, don't need to be there that day. Um, and same goes for dialogue scenes like this. I don't know if Keanu ever was on set with Priyanka Chopra. I mean, Jonas. I, it makes sense <laughs> if, he does, if he wasn't, yeah. And on top of that, you have things like his his hair in this film, which we didn't mention. Oh um, yeah, went much like much like uh, the original Matrix film. Uh, when he comes out of the liquid hot goo, he is shorn. We haven't seen Keanu. <laughs> we have not seen him shorn in in years, and it is weird. Oh, <laughs> there really is nothing like a shorn scrotum. It's rather breathtaking. <laughs> Anytime I hear shorn, that's the only thing I think of because that's the only time I've ever heard it used. <laughs> You but know, yeah, we it, have it, to stop. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, the, the timing of, of those scenes, it's like that that's something that a film, a production has to be built around, is the scheduling of the length of your principal actor's hair. Yeah. It's kind of like a Sylvester Stallone movie. He's If he's going to be dehydrated, if he's going to be sucking in, like... You're gonna get those scenes shot first, man. I, <laughs> like that doesn't last all all year. I like the uh, the I think the coolest one is uh, Castaway. That was a really fascinating one. Um, no, and this is just like I was wondering how they were filming it. And I'm like, Steph asked me we were watching some movies. She's like, I think it was a Harry Potter film. By the way, we just rewatched all of them. Uh, we were watching. She's like, Do you think they shot like this film chronologically, like straight through? I'm like, I doubt it. I think it depended on one. The older actors, like the more distinguished actors, what they had going on at the time. Like, you got to deal with people's you know, schedules and stuff like that. But I was thinking about that with this because I'm like, oh, I think they did actually shave his head. At least it looks like they shaved his head. But his character doesn't really have to change his demeanor throughout the film. So it's just like, even if he does have to do it like out of like out of order, obviously, it's like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really have to change too much. Yeah, I I don't I don't know how the sequencing would have worked. Like if you would if you would have done all the stuff with the long hair first and then shaved, or you know, I don't know. But um, yeah, also it needs to be noted. I think we did mention the film was delayed uh, due to COVID at one point. Uh, so I'm sure there was parts of it, like reshoots in particular, that were done probably way after the fact. It's not it's not evident in the finished film. But yeah, uh, you are not wrong, Kyle. Um, 
I don't. This is a thing that I need to do some fucking research because it is driving me fucking nuts, and I hate it so much. And that's that is the international appeal of heist films. Hmm. the The world loves heist films. Yeah. They they gobble them up. They make billions of dollars. You know that fucking Red Notice movie that came out? No. There's a reason it's a heist film. It's because it's it's like mathematically proven to generate revenue worldwide. Like every country produces heist films, they always do boffo at the box office. So um, this movie turns into a heist film in in its closing act, um, kind of similar actually to the the structure of the finale of The Matrix Reloaded. Although the editing here is just like the way I phrased it to the girlfriend uh, was: this movie is like aggressively unengaging. Oh, like it doesn't want it doesn't want me to like no. it. it doesn't want me to care about no. it. <laughs> Because the way this this heist gets cut cut together, we have Priyanka Chopra explaining what we're trying to do, and then we cut to them doing it. But all the all the terminology they're using and all the props that they're utilizing, we we don't know what any of that is anyway. That's that's like I was I I wanted to go to the Tashi station to pick up some power converters. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know what the fuck that means. The character should. I don't think they do in this film. <laughs> I've like, seen good heist movies, and what I learned from the Ocean's Eleven and Thirteen was that Ocean's Eleven subvert expectations. Something happens that you weren't expecting or didn't know happened in the story, and it makes it interesting. And Thirteen has its own thing. Logan Lucky, everything goes wrong. So it's like a race against time to get this thing done, which is a really good heist movie, by the way. A lot of fun. But like, I did like that. It's fun. This is just like, so you have to, either things have to go wrong. Here, there's like no room for error, I would assume. I guess that's what they're trying to get at. Like, this has to go so smoothly. Or there's something, we have to be so, like with Ocean's Eleven, you know the details of the heist. You know how it's got to go down. This is how it has to go down. We're planning to do it this way. Or we're kind of hinting at how we're going to do it. This is just like, she's literally talking through it as they're doing it. It's like, I couldn't care less about this. And it doesn't look particularly difficult, honestly. No, it actually looks super easy. <laughs> yeah, like, they're not bothered the whole time they're trying to do it. There's no real hiccup in the process. And her line delivery, I get it. She's supposed to be a computer program, but she comes across as extraordinarily dry. Uh, yeah. And the combination of the, the setting and the shot arrangements, it, it's just like, what are we doing, man? Like, I just cannot be bothered to care about anything being said or done anymore. No. That, yeah, honestly, if you can pay attention, like, it's literally the last, like, it's the next five minutes after the last scene. Like, if you could pay attention to what's happening, good on you. Like, I could not. Yeah, it, it's frustrating. And, and her character, by the way, is supposed to be the grown-up iteration, like, the grown-up version of a young like a, a little girl program that Neo had interacted with in the third film. Sure. Her her sure. her program her program parents were killed by Barney. Yeah. <laughs> so she's so she's mad and wants revenge, which is why she's helping the humans. Two things. What uh, we she's apparently been watching Neo the whole time because we did see her at a coffee shop during the montage, like it, when he was thoroughly in the Matrix. See, Neil Patrick Harris is actually, like, he's funny. I do think he's funny. He's not for everybody. Um, but he can also play kind of creepy. Like, he can play, like, a good asshole as well. So Gone Girl. Oh, yeah, Gone Girl. That was a good creep, creepy creepy moment for him. Uh, he's good. At, he has some really good, like, a really good dickhead, not a dickhead moment, but, like, a nice asshole moment in How I Met Your Mother that's just kind of, like, kind of 
it's one of those real moments in a sitcom where it's just like, oh shit, like so a line was crossed here. So he's very capable of doing something like this. But I, it, it just kind of was disappointing overall. Like, he's smarmy. Like, he can do that. He can play, like, a Weasley little shit that you just want to hit in the mouth. <laughs> he's just he's good at that. But he doesn't really get to do it that well here. Um, just in my opinion. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's difficult because, <clears throat> as we've mentioned a couple times now, the Matrix story is not one that caters well to crafting a good resolution. And one thing that the Matrix movies kind of had to like really aggressively shoehorn into themselves was a an antagonist mm-hmm. in the form of Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith, who, if you ask me, is a brilliant villain. Mm-hmm. I love his performance, oh, and yes. I, I love the character. I love the character's utility. Yes, he, he's. I like the utility of that character as well. I, I like what he represents. I like his philosophy. I like what they do with him in those movies. I really like Agent Smith. Only problem is, like, the first Matrix movie kind of positioned him as the villain out of necessity because, honestly, the real villain is a computer program, mm-hmm. kind of like Skynet. Yeah. Doesn't have a face. And this movie, again, seems to be playing to the cheap seats in the form of, like, offering up Neil Patrick Harris as the punchable face just because maybe the movie feels like it needs that there, even though it's like, no, that's really not the conflict. Like, punching him in the face is pointless like like that it even happens in this movie multiple times like it doesn't accomplish anything so why there's a reason why keanu doesn't hit him every time he sees him it's because he knows it's not going to accomplish anything i think the most fun it's it would have been if jada pekin smith was the if she was the villain like her trying to keep them which it makes total sense trying to keep them from unplugging her to keep the peace. Actually, that that was something I had in the back of my mind, and I was secretly kind of hoping for, mm-hmm. is that, like, you know, the, the ambition, like, the youthful ambition of these characters is is appreciable, but at the same time, it's like, you guys are playing with fire. Yeah. Like, like 60 years ago, like, it was it was life and death. It, like, the end of the Matrix Revolutions, like, they, they take very special care and actually very strong kudos to that film is that when the machines get into Zion and you see how easily they fucking kill people, it's like, no, this isn't a, this isn't a fight. It, it, like this is them biding their time. Uh, and, and very much so at the end of that movie, it was like, no, it's like two, we were two seconds from the apocalypse and you young folks don't know that. So I was like, I was maybe hoping for something like that where it's like, maybe humanity would turn inward on itself out of, out of self-preservation, I guess, where it's like, I understand you have noble intentions, but you don't understand. This is about the species people, mm-hmm. simple numbers. Yeah. They have more. That's a starship troopers line. I think. Well, one of the things also, also a Neil Patrick Harris movie. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, well, even bugs, I think asks him like, how do you know she even wants to be unplugged? And like, that's kind of an important thing that we have to deal with um, after. So I, in my notes, I have, uh, they're going to get Trinity, and this I think we're going to have the sit-down. This is where we have the the weird sit-down in the... The chaperoned date. <laughs> which, there's no stakes. It feels like there's absolutely no stakes to this also. So, Neil Patrick Harris, I, I prefer, just because he doesn't really have a name. He's just therapist in this or whatever, but MPH... Barney. Barney. <laughs> that guy's awesome. Um, he's great. I love I love MPH. But yeah, he... Uh, he um, 
he's just sitting in like like John Travolta in Swordfish holding court in the middle of this uh, this ca- the coffee coffee shop, and he's just got all the SEAL Team sixes, just all every single one of them are surrounding him, and fucking Keanu just like reluctantly like walks in there, and he's just like, yeah, uh, I'll come back if she wants to stay, but if she wants to go, you have to let us go, and. MPH is just like, yep, good enough. Like, he doesn't even say good enough. It's just like, assume that this is going to be the deal. But he's like, well, how do I know that you won't just fucking leave if I don't give her back or whatever? She doesn't want to come back. And then he's like, well, they might unplug me. Like, how am I supposed to know they're not going to unplug you anyway? And then they just kind of like walk in in the background. And it's supposed to be like an entrance, but it's really not. It's, it's really sad. <laughs> I kind of feel bad yeah. for them. Yeah, the combination of their outfits and the cramped set. Yeah. It's like, it's like it, there's no sense of grandeur to it. It's a little bit pathetic, honestly. Oh, before I forget, the MacGruber TV show is on Peacock right now. It it, it dropped, but I, yes, anyway. I had to get that out before I forgot. Uh, yes, I, I am aware of that. I don't have Peacock any longer. Uh, I did get that specifically to watch that piece of shit Halloween Kills. Thankfully, we got a review out of it at the very least, but you know... Uh, WrestleMania seasons in uh, <laughs> April. Uh, Not WrestleMania. I won't do it for MacGruber. I'll do it for fucking WrestleMania, though. Well, yeah, Will For he's been trying to get this made for like a decade, but yeah, no, wait for WrestleMania. Um, so I go, so like, yes, she goes, I stay, and I'm like, yes, more talking. That's what we're gonna get in this scene, more talking. And just as we're about to get some action, we get frozen again. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris breaks the rules. Uh, he pulls out a gun and he's threatening to shoot Trinity. Um, doesn't go his way because, uh, surprise, uh, Jonathan Groff shows up, Agent Smith. And, uh, Deus Ex because Machina. He, uh, yeah. Yes, the literal Deus Ex Machina. Um, he, because apparently he operates outside of the control of the Matrix, he's not a program of the Matrix, he's a program within the Matrix. Um, he's unaffected by the time distortion. Uh, so he just walks up and just hits Neil Patrick Harris. And then my girlfriend pointed out, why doesn't he just do the time thing again? And I was like, I, I don't know. <laughs> like, 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 that's a very good question. I'm glad you're paying attention. But yeah, he just for, he just forgets that he can do that for the remainder of the scene. But yeah, a big brawl ensues between the goth kids and big the SWAT brawl? team. There's a brawl. They're, they're like <laughs> they're, they're again kind of, faces and fingertips faces faces and fingertips, faces and fingertips. They're, voguing, they're voguing they're voguing in each other's faces it's a little tight there's not a lot of elbow room to do intricate moves and stuff but yeah uh agent smith is making a beeline for neil patrick harris in the midst of all this chaos and stuff um we do get a moment where trinity kind of finds herself uh, so she she is called away, uh, very very uh, Raiders oh. of the Lost Ark style. <laughs> Uncle Indy, come back home. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, her kids show up at this cafe, and her Chad and her husband uh, to pull her away from Neo. Um, and then she has a moment of self realization, and she beats the fuck out of Chad Stileski. Kind of nice, which is it's kind of cool because you know he is a stunt person. He does have that background, so he probably had some fun putting the pads back on, and you know getting thrown by Carrie Ann Moss. I hate the line that she gives him. She's just like, you take your hands off me or I'll 
break your fingers or whatever. I'm like, just beat his ass. Like, as soon as you realize that his hand's on you, just fucking beat down. Um, that would have been way more yeah. fun. Uh, yeah, that probably would have been more fun. One detail that's important to note is uh, Bugs? Chad Stileski. Oh, sorry. I did, I did mention that Chad Stileski, you know, is a stuntman. It has extensive background in martial arts and choreography and whatnot. Um, is one of the founding members of eighty seven eleven. Yeah. Basically, the foremost like action design team in Hollywood right now. Uh, I think he was asked to work on this film like as a consultant. He declined. He sh- that's not that's not good yeah those guys don't turn down a lot of job offers i would think um just saying uh yeah but Uh, but yeah as kyle was saying about bugs there's an important thing where it's like bugs is the closest anatomy to trinity so we're gonna like fucking stick the nightmare of a needle into the back of her head that they have to have i don't get that thing it's scary every time I see by the, it. By the way, Kyle, why did they deprive us of the visual of the grandmotherly Niobe having a, a needle jammed into the back of her head? I don't Because that, that conversation with Priyanka Chopra is in the Matrix, or at least some kind of computer land, so presumably they jacked Niobe in. I mean, presumably, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so Bugs has to become Trinity for some reason until she gets her footing I guess, because I guess they have to do the same thing that they did to Keanu, maybe. Like, just hers is a little bit different. It's it's more complicated. It's like, again, this is some heist movie bullshit that doesn't really need to be here. It's a bypass, basically. It's like they they need to, like, temporarily slip someone in, like, in her place. Easy money. Um, <laughs> so they can pull her out of the Matrix. So she's in the Matrix, but not... I do. I don't like, know. I know. I, uh, uh, Oh my gosh! Just listening to you try to explain it to me, I'm just like, nope, don't care. <laughs> like it's just, I'm checking out immediately, just from you trying it's, to explain it. It's funny. I've been watching a lot of these YouTube videos, these comic book guys talking about comic books yeah. because I I have I'm I've gone cold turkey over a decade ago. <laughs> I I do I no longer read comic books. I I I don't have the finances to support that. I have enough hobbies. This this being the one that probably takes most of my time, but. Uh, I no longer spend money on comic books, so instead I get them through YouTube reviews of them. But they make liberal use of the Agent Smith quote of the, like, something from you imprinted onto me. <laughs> like, they use that to basically just hand wave away any plot holes Dude, <laughs> about anything. If, you, if you've if you got comic book money laying around, you should be shopping at Whole Foods. That's what you should be using your money on, <laughs> buying comics. I mean, yeah, honestly. You got comic <laughs> book no, money? I, I, I don't have comic book money anymore. You could be grocery <laughs> shopping at PCC. Yeah, that's 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 comic book money, dude. Um, yeah. But uh, know what's really cool, though, Kyle? We can skip, like, the next, like, 20 fucking minutes uh, of this movie. Can we get... Because nothing important happens. There's a motorcycle. People are jumping off the balcony like the beginning of the happening at Neo. They're they're throwing people at him. Um, We get. um, I'll just. I just. uh, They get. Can we just get to the rooftop? I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Get to the rooftop. Basically, it's a it's a car chase with force power. It's a and uh and we have zombie people 
computer zombie people hurling themselves as projectiles out of windows. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. And everybody lives. Yeah, we get the John- Nobody dies. We get the Johnsons. I'm gonna bag this little bastard. We've got the, the helicopters <laughs> outside the building. I was in junior high, dick- dickhead. This thing's fucking saga. <laughs> oh man. Um I didn't get to watch that over the holidays, unfortunately. Uh, I did. Uh, I got to introduce the girlfriend it, to that one. It was on in the background, but I didn't get to really pay attention to it. I got, I missed that part and my favorite part. No, the other one. Um, hey, you got to watch your Harry Potters, I, and I know you think of Christmas when you think Harry Potter. I do. But yeah, so um, somehow something happens. We blow up a helicopter maybe, and then they fall fall and or jump off of the building and as they're falling uh trinity catches neo and he's like i you used to know how to fly are you how are you doing this and it's like well she's she's flying so they she just they end up flying and then that's kind of i'm still kind of trying to wrap my head around this so i think i have an explanation for you um basically there's a running uh, try your best. Here we man. go. <laughs> so uh, there's a running gag throughout the movie that Keanu can no longer fly. Okay. Because in, in, in The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, he did, actually. And it was hokey sometimes and kind of fucking cool sometimes. It, it, it was split pretty pretty firmly. And, in fact, he used his flight powers to save Trinity at one point and resuscitate her. Very Superman-like. Uh, not quite turning back time, like rotating the Earth the other way, but... He did bring her back to life. Anyway, um, he actually tries to fly as soon as they exit the, the cafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, for oh, yeah. Climactic <laughs> that chase. was actually kind of funny. Yeah, sorry. It's actually kind of funny yeah. watching Keanu actually do the pantomime yeah. of, like, doing the, like, Dragon Ball pose and then try to jump up and, like, nope, that's not happening. That's not happening. <laughs> like, that was actually kind of cute. I like but, that. That was fine. Uh, so we also had this recurring motif of birds. Uh, in the air in the matrix of him like admiring flocks of birds and stuff like it's represents freedom and flight to to in things that would be important to these characters anyway they get up onto this roof uh all appears to be lost because they're cornered by like three different attack helicopters uh so the pair trinity and neo uh, have a smooch and uh this feels straight out of a 90s romance like a like a i don't know like us against the world babe kind mm-hmm. of moment <laughs> like, like, like a true romance or something uh they uh both jump off the roof together and then as kyle had said they don't quite fly they just kind of hang yeah and Ke- keanu's line here i think is like i'm not doing this like how are you doing this and and trandy's just like i i am and then she lazily flies them up into the air and then the scene cuts. Yeah. No more of that scene. Um, we don't really know how she does that either because she, she didn't do that in the previous films. But I think the explanation comes in the form of what uh, Neil Patrick Harris had been saying earlier in the film about the two of them. By the way, uh, we need to emphasize. We, we were joking about this. I don't think we actually detailed it for anyone who cares. Neo and Trinity were brought back from the dead. Oh yeah, by the robots. I, we can't. We can't do it. We can't do it service. Like we can't explain this. You need to. You need the visual part and the lack of explaining the visual part to understand why we're so baffled at how to explain this. This this is shown to us in in grim, gory detail and explained to us in like five seconds. 
And neither of these characters have anything or any no thoughts or feelings about having been brought back from the dead against their will. Again, Kyle, that's that is that is some explicit meta commentary right there. Like they were against their will brought back from the dead and they do actually put special emphasis on the idea of Trinity having to give consent in order to be removed from the matrix. Like like that that seems like some actual very intentional theming at work. Slop, sloppy script writing, but interesting theming. The, the the best way I can describe this, the the cut to them bringing them back from the dead was like, you remember when Hugo Stieglitz is introduced in and in, uh, Inglorious Bastards, where he's like, he killed a bunch of officers, and it's like, I think Samuel L. Jackson is just like doing some commentary over it, and he's just like stabbing a dude in the face with a pill, like with a pillow through the through the pillow, yeah, through the pillow yeah. and then he's like shoving his hand down a man's throat. You're like, holy. Like, you're just not ready for that kind of violence like that quickly. This is like that, except it's like, I'm seeing what you're saying happened, but it makes no sense of how you did it and, and how graphic, like it's not, it's kind of graphic just the way it just, it's just thrown on you. It's just like, whoa, wait, wait, you did what? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It, honestly, the movie's worth watching to see that and to see Keanu <laughs> trying to fly. <laughs> like I said, it's, it actually is a, it's an interesting idea, but they do nothing with it. And I get, I like I said, I, I know what you're trying to do, Hanna Wachowski, and I hear you. But I'm sorry, we needed like a moment where Keanu like looks at his hands or looks in the mirror and is like, "You mean I'm a zombie?" Yeah. I have feelings about that. <laughs> That's an interesting. Th- I mean, I assuming this movie makes enough money that they keep doing stuff with this. That would be kind of an interesting avenue to explore. I mean, it's pretty gross. Uh, yeah, yeah. The I smell. Mean, the, you the didn't Matrix... think about the smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Matrix movies are are not short of ideas. Um, I think personally, I get the most enjoyment out of just the audiovisual fun of them. I don't care a whole lot about the philosophy stuff, but it's through conversations like this that we can take note of the fact that like effort was made. It's just kind of similar to like nothing but trouble. Mm. There's a lot of effort put in the wrong places. <laughs> you know, um, before we, I mean, we're about to wrap up here. There's like a jaw break, a three time jaw break, and then literally flying off into the sunset. But yeah, Cloud Atlas is something that you and I, um, we very much have reactions to in general. Yeah. Um, yeah. And going, I really want to go back to that movie now, but the human meat part of there's a there's a human meat aspect of that film it's kind of there interesting is, is. i uh yeah kind of a connection there connections connections revolutions, revolutions. yeah no it, cloud atlas is a someday for sure mm. we, we've been talking about pretty much as long as we've been doing this fucking show it's it's uh, worth watching it, it <laughs> sure we'll leave it at that it's worth watching. <laughs> um but yeah uh long story short our heroes are not killed by the helicopter and uh uh, to finish the thought that I spiraled off of multiple times, um, I think the reason Trinity can fly is because Neil Patrick Harris said that um, in this particular iteration of the Matrix, it's not the one any longer; it's the two of them. So apparently, they maybe they both have equivalent powers, or it's split between them, or something. Um, and also, like. There's a a good line from uh, Keanu in this movie where he's in the real world, Shorn Keanu, 
um, saying, I think it's something along the lines of like, I never believed I was the one. I was only the one because she, i.e. Trinity, mm. believed I was. And and then he says, like, it's my turn to believe in her in, in this instance, like that she'll come back to me or she'll come out of the Matrix willfully. So I, I think what we're getting at here is that they're a power couple. Yeah. It's like it's not just the one any longer. It's the pairing of them that, that gives them both power. Or there's or it's, you know, the two of them, uh, man and woman together, and there's really no no in between the two of them, like the two of them together. Yes. One fluid Theming. one fluid person. Yes. I mean it's there. Yeah. It's you I defy you to say it's not. Yeah. Like it, it is there. Um, and we do get a call back to uh, Trinity saying that she wanted to kick her husband's jaw off in the form of her doing that to Barney <laughs> at the end of this movie. Pretty great. Yeah, I do love the, do love that line in the lab. I want to kick it. Even Steph was paying. She's like, whoa, <laughs> I want to kick his jaw, kick him in the jaw until it breaks off. Like, Fuck. Threat, threats are more scary when they're specific. Yeah. Like like just saying you want to hit someone is one thing, but like saying what you want to do to that person is like, ooh, <laughs> you thought about this. <laughs> that line made you me have a target. <laughs> made me want to go back and watch the first one just to see her intensity. Uh, I kind of want. She has some moments of softness, but that's part of the. I wouldn't call it a charm. Uh, I don't. I don't get a whole lot of. I don't really get a whole lot of most of the characters in the Matrix. Like it's all about utility. Like yeah. what 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 role the player like the player plays. Um, in her case, she she does have some moments of softness that do come through. Um, in the Matrix Reloaded, in particular, like she gets some tender moments with Keanu that actually feel earned. Um, but yeah, she is largely defined by being very icy, very steely, ice queen. Um, and the and the the hand thing with her husband it feels like a callback to I think it was Matrix. Re- revolutions where she tells someone like uh touch me again and that hand will never touch anything again nice she's she's not, she's not big on hands like okay. she doesn't like people getting frisky i get it <laughs> somebody you don't know is touching you on the shoulder it it sets you off a little bit yeah oh and those outfits have to be very expensive yes don't like, touch yeah, that shit these boots <laughs> fingerprints man these boots are italian oils these boots are italian <laughs> they're worth more than your life <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, Kyle, do you remember anything about this uh, final confrontation here? I, she just fucking kicks him in the jaw three times, and Keanu's just like holding a cat, and then uh, wishing, it <laughs> and then they fly off into the sunset. That's all. I literally, it kind of ends abruptly. I was kind of surprised it just ended like that. Like I said, this the Matrix story I don't feel is set up to end very like happily anyway it's it it ends it ended in peace originally with with the matrix still existing and all the people in there having the option to leave if somehow they become aware that they're even there whatever the fuck that means um but yeah this one ends with them kind of throwing everything back in nph's face and telling him like yeah i mean we can't we can't kill you we can harm you for funsies um, but we're going to stay in the Matrix, and they have the power because apparently the One has the ability to reshape the Matrix. Although it's never been demonstrated in the movies, it's only been said. Um, sure, um, but yeah, they say like, yeah, we're going to fly off and make this a better Matrix somehow, whatever that might mean. Uh, he he mocks them and says like, oh, you're going to like go make the sky a rainbow or something, which is actually an explicit reference to the Matrix Revolutions. Like, the closing shot of that movie is a rainbow sky, like, in the Matrix. Um, we don't get it here, but apparently, like, 
Maybe that's something they want to do. I'm not sure how I'd feel waking up to see a rainbow sky. I'd probably be a little bit alarmed. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they both fly off into the sky, uh, mirroring the finale of the original Matrix. And we also get, I think it's the same Rage Against the Machine song, although it's a cover. not performed. It's Yeah, it's not performed by them. Yeah. It's it's not a great cover, if you ask me. <laughs> it's not. You, it's a little wimpy. I really feel like most <laughs> most Rage Against the Machine covers are not good because you're you. Can't, I don't. I don't think you're supposed to cover Rage Against we, the Machine. You can't. You can't capture his intensity. You just can't. That's what made them so unique. Well, and just like philosophically, that just sounds wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, try to cover. Like, how would they feel? They, there was a rapper. There's somebody who did try to cover Bulls on Parade. Great effort. He did a fantastic job. Didn't come close. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, anyway, uh, wow, Kyle, we got so much more out of this. Dude, you are expecting. scary close to getting this as a poster, and I know you won't hang it up. So, yeah. God, <laughs> I, I, I have the other posters you've got. Yeah. Kyle got me a Kingdom of the Crystal Skull poster yeah. as a gift. You thought it was going to be fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, didn't you? Yeah. Nah. I hoped. Yeah, those weren't significant. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> I do uh, actually. The girlfriend's been bugging me about uh, finding a place to put up the Mortal Kombat poster. That's an important one. I understand if you don't hang the Crystal Skull. That's fine. <laughs> no, like, like the the hope is that I can move into a bigger place sometime down the road. Maybe I can purge some of those comics in my collection <laughs> to, to re- recoup some of the comic book losses, uh, so I can move into a bigger place. Then I'll have a proper office, and I can hang up my Mortal Kombat and very proudly my Kingdom of the Crystal Skull posters. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I will get them framed. Oh, it's a, it'll, what you it'll be a conversation piece. <laughs> oh, oh, why is this Why here? do you have this here? <laughs> well, that's a long story. Yeah. Let me tell you about it. You have it. to put that knot behind your camera for your Twitch. <laughs> Oh, get, that would be a bad move. Oh. Lose a lot of little, lose a lot of listeners. You just, see, you just see the comments. King of the Christmas skull. King of the Christmas skull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I'm I'm so amazed we got so much material out of this one because, folks, I, you probably shouldn't bother with this movie, no. but it it kind of sucks. Like, like my girlfriend is very kind to most movies. She out. She said outright, like that kind of sucked. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're not wrong. Steph, was, <laughs> Steph was trying to defend it a little bit. She's like, maybe it's just you know this or that and this, like kind of getting upset with me for like bashing on it so much. I'm like, you're not watching it. She's like, you're right. I'm not. <laughs> she wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> She's like, you're right. I'm not. It's probably bad. I was like, you're doing fucking Sudoku or yeah. some shit. <laughs> you're on Facebook right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it's probably the preferred way to experience this. If, film, if, yeah. Anyway, that, this has been uh, The Matrix Resurrections, uh, directed by Lana Wachowski from the year 2021, which uh, hopefully is going to be the uh, the recurring theme for the remainder of this month, is uh, reviewing the year of 2021 yes. in cinema. So the pick will be to Kyle uh, for next week's episode to pick a 2021 release for us to talk about. But in the meantime, uh, if you'd like to catch up on any of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, and we are on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the show is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. Google it. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Mm-hmm.